What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 124 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I'm riding high after the Chicago White Sox had their sixth straight win at Wrigley Field. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he don't give a F about baseball anymore because he's got Connor Bedard coming to town. That's probably not true. It's probably only half true. Um, Frank. How you doing? Oh, I still care about baseball. I know, I know. We got a great, you know, end of the season coming Hell up. Hell yeah, dude. I'm pumped for it. I'm, I'm just hyped. Pumped. I'm hyped too. Dude, the best part is I October's the best sports month of the year, and it's not close. April's great too. Round one of the NHL playoffs is the best round in terms of action and volume of action. Yes, the Stanley Cup Finals, the best series. But in terms of action and volume of action, nothing beats the first round. Minute like literally, there's a playoff game going on every minute of every day for two weeks. And both my teams are in the heart of a playoff run right now. Exactly, exactly. And and the wild in, card is nuts. Yeah, and if your two teams make it to October, and you have that on top of the Blackhawks, on top of the NFL and college football every week. I mean, the NBA starting. They just announced some crazy rules. Tom. Um, I, I can't didn't wait see the NBA it. rules. Care to enlighten me? They added a mid-season tournament. Oh, yeah, I, I heard something about it. I don't it. know how it's going to work. I don't know all the rules. As of right now, it sounds chuggy, but we'll see if it ends up being chuggy. Um, Frank, we are going to get into the nitty-gritty of NHL offseason stuff. And there was some news the last week. It's kind of been a more newsy August than I can remember, not including the COVID years when there were actual games in August. I remember Sidney Crosby played a game on his birthday during the COVID year. Probably never thought that would happen. But um, outside of that, it's been a there's been news to talk about just about every single week. And I'm just starting to assume that that's going to be the way it is until training camp opens in just under a month. So, Frank, let's hit it in period number one. Welcome to period number one. Frank, we are going to start the show with a little bit of some sad and somber news. Um, it is with great sadness and a heavy heart that I report, which most of you have probably heard of it right now, that Toronto Maple Leafs prospect Rodion Amirov has passed away because of a brain tumor. And it's very, very sad, in my opinion, I'm in the opinion of everyone. He was like 20, 21 years old. Mm -hmm. um, I think he was born in 2001, so that would make him 22. And he had to like put a pause on his development when he found out he had this brain tumor and lived the last you know year and a half of his life knowing it. He was drafted with the 15th overall pick in the 2020 NHL draft. Um, for those of you who might remember, I just recently watched to do my studying up. Um, it was a virtual draft. And each team did it from, you know, whatever little headquarters they were doing it from. And even the players weren't there. Uh, Mitch Marner made the selection for the Maple Leafs and they called him up and he was diagnosed about a year later and was never able to complete his development and unfortunately has passed away. So it's just a very sad time in the Maple Leafs family right now. I'm super sorry for Rodion's family, his friends, the Maple Leafs organization, um, Obviously, losing a prospect in the early stages of his development is tough. And, you know, he had a whole great career ahead of him, we think. He was a 15th overall pick for a reason. Um, Frank, it's just sad times. Yeah, it's shocking news and very unexpected. 
You know, you aren't expecting anyone to die that young, let alone your number one pick in the 2020 draft. It's uh, you nailed it on the head, diagnosed with a brain tumor in 2022. I believe he was 21. I think he was going to turn 22 later this year. But, you know, even after he received the news, he stayed positive, continued to embrace hockey as much as he could, but is very shocking and very sad news. And uh, my heart goes out to the family of Amirov and, and not only that, but this is going to be a tough time for them. And I know it's going to hit the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs organization hard, too. Pretty sure John Tavares already came out with a statement on him as well. Yeah, it's just – it's tough. Um, I haven't seen any players say anything. I'm sure I'm sure there are a lot of Russian players giving their condolences because he was playing in the KHL. Um, obviously, he was a really good player. Um, it earned him the right – I mean, think about the 15th pick. Um, four picks later, the Devils took Dawson Mercer. Um, earlier in the draft, they took Alexander Holtz. Lafreniere went number one. Tim Stutzola went number two um, – or number three, I mean. It's it's just sad that because of a sick disease, he was unable to truly fulfill his dream. I'm, I'm wishing nothing but the best for his family and the organization during this time. It's just really hard to talk about because, it, like, the level of sadness is just, like, through the roof. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we wish Rodion Amirov and his family nothing but our prayers and the barroom network extends their condolences. Um, Frank, the show does go on though in the NHL, there's other news that comes out and some of it is fun. Some of it is sad in a different kind of way, but we'll start with a moderately big trade that was made over the last couple days between the Detroit Red Wings and the Montreal Canadians. The Canadians re or they sent Petrie to his hometown Detroit Red Wings in exchange for um, Lindstrom and a conditional 2025 fourth-round pick. Should yep. I wrote that down? Fourth-round pick. Yep. Um, the condition is that it's the higher pick, or it's the lower pick out of the Bruins pick that was given to them for Bertuzzi or their pick. Whoever, Whichever pick is worse is the one that goes back to Montreal in the deal. Um, Detroit upgrades Lindstrom into Petrie. And if Petrie's even just a tad bit better, that could be the difference in winning a couple extra games. Um, It's a good move for them. Petrie was sent back to the Habs by the Penguins in the trade that acquired Eric Carlson for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was a three-team trade. Petrie went from the Penguins to the Habs, although he had played about eight years with the Habs before that, and he spent some time in Edmonton before that. So Petrie to Detroit, what are your thoughts? I think it's a big uh, trade for the Red Wings. I think it benefits them tremendously. And they're only taking 50% of his contract on the cap hit, which is like $2.4 million. 50% of the remaining. Oh. Because Pittsburgh retained on him too. So three teams are paying him this season. But I still think it's like $2.4 yeah, million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a big move by them because, you know, he's – well, first of all, like you said, he's native to Michigan. He's no longer a top four defenseman on a team. He'll play on the third line. But – He's going to provide some defensive upgrades. He's a veteran pre- presence in the locker room and on the ice. And this is a Red Wings team that's very young, and they're trying to finally build around their young talent. This helps that out tremendously. You see it all the time, how these young teams want to go out and get some sort of veteran and have that veteran presence. And, you know, watch out for the Red Wings this year. I'm not saying they're going to be insane, 
and be elite, but I think they're going to be fun. I think they're going to be dangerous. And I think a lot of people should have them on their radar. Absolutely. The Penguins acquired Eric Carlson last week, and we had our friend Hunter Hodes on last week, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins guy. And he talked about how even though the Penguins acquired the Norris Trophy winner, there were lots of people in Penguins land going, how are we going to replace Petrie? How are we going to replace Petrie? Who's going to replace Petrie? Not because he's Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson's great. I have him at around 80 points this season. He's not like your defensive third-pair guy that every single team needs. We saw it with Vegas. You know, outside of Petrangelo and Theodore, Vegas really has a lot of like a couple, they have a couple Petries on their defense and that, that plays in the NHL. If you have forwards who can back check with you and provide tons of offense and you get good goaltending, the Iser plan saw them add a really good defenseman on the cheap. Um, I think making the playoffs or at least being what Buffalo was last year, maybe slightly lower um, is important to the Red Wings. So that way the following year, they can really start to explode if Lucas Raymond does become like a superstar. And we know Maritz Sider is already a superstar, in my opinion. I think he's one of the 10. But I, did I put him in my top 10? I don't remember if I put him. In, yeah, I did put him in my top 10. I think. I think I'll go back did. and look. He's up there. If he's not in my top 10, I'm looking right now. I have him all on Twitter. Um, I do believe I did not put him. But I would probably put him 11, 12, 13. We named him in our honorable mentions. He's very, very good. Um, And if someone like, you know, Dougie Hamilton or one of these guys fall out over the next handful of years, Yossi or Hedman, all the older guys, most of this list is players under 27. um, Then I think Moritz Sider ends up in there. So Detroit, they're building something nice. As for Montreal, status quo, you basically add a diet version of Petrie and Lindstrom. Um, but less experience, much less experience, and you get an asset. You get a fourth-round pick. A yeah. fourth-round pick in 2025, you add as many of those as you can, and if you hit on 20% of them, you could build a whole line of underground gems. You could find it. Maybe you get even really lucky, and you find a Jesper Bratt. Yeah, Montreal doesn't like need that. a peachy right now. They have no. other things to focus on. Exactly. And adding as many draft picks as you can, good scouting, um, Montreal's number one focus right now, in my opinion. I would put every ounce of resource and money into developing Uri Slavkovsky this weekend, this year. I mean, I don't think he's a bust. He had a bad year. He was injured. They probably shouldn't have had him in the NHL. Um, everybody thinks just because you're a number one pick, that means you should play in the NHL. Um, Jack Hughes probably shouldn't have played in the NHL in his first season. Um, luckily, things turned around for him. I think Connor Bedard's different. The Nate Dog was different. Um, obviously Matthews and McDavid are special and I think Bedard is on that level. Um, but most of the time for every one 18 year old that plays well in the NHL, there's 10 that don't Shane Wright struggled, right? No player from last year's draft came in and was just so great right away. All of the Calder trophy nominees last year were guys from the year prior. What was it? Ben years. We knew Ben Years was going to win. Who else was nominated? I don't even remember because we were so locked in on Ben Years winning it. But, like, it was guys not drafted in 22. It was guys drafted in 21 and 20. That's more the norm, right? Like, these yeah. these and McKinnons and, you know, Heesher was really good as an 18-year-old. He was better than Hughes. But um, that's what I would be focusing on if I was Montreal. Mm-hmm. 
Frank. Thompson saw an article that had to bring it Larkin and Raymond together. That would be sick. I like that line. That would I be do. a good line. Because for me, Larkin, Larkin is like a fast center. And he does everything kind of just well. He's not an elite shooter. He's not an elite playmaker. But he's upper echelon of both. Um, I'm interested to see if he makes your list later. Um, like he, he's, he's kind of like the Portillo's of the NHL. Portillo's doesn't have the best Italian beef. Oh, they have the second best. What do you Italian got against beef. the to- I, Let me talk. Portillo's is Dylan Larkin of chain restaurants. They have the second best hamburger. They have the second Nana's Nana's and Gene and Jude's have a better hot dog, but Portillo's hot dog is still really fucking good. Al's beef has a better beef than Portillo's still really good beef at Portillo's. Um, multiple places have better chicken tenders, but Portillo's chicken tenders are out of this world. But they're not the village. They're not sporties, but they're really damn good. Dylan Larkin is like that. He's like an upper. He's an A minus player at everything. Passing, shooting, skate. Uh, he's probably an A plus skater. Uh, skating is his chocolate cake. Portillo's actually does have the best chocolate cake. It's his chocolate cake. But um, I love I love Portillo's. It would be in my top ten chain restaurants. If you're if you have the second best everything, you're great. Then you have Raymond, who I kind of see as like the elite player on that, like that elite winger on the line, I guess I should say. Him and Larkin's skill sets are pretty similar. Fast, can shoot, can skate, not as good as the upper tier guys, but still up there. And then Debrinkit's just a sniper. So I see that line having a little bit of everything it needs. Um, I guess out of the three, Larkin would be the most likely to provide some nasty. But maybe that's where a guy like Jeff Petrie on the back end comes in. I'm just stunned at what you said with Portillo's. What is Portillo's have the best? They're number one for me. They're like, if I had to choose a fast food chain, they're number one. Okay. And it's not they're even close. up there for me, too. But do they have the best beef sandwich? They have in the Illinois? best honey mustard, in my opinion. Okay, Frank. Honey mustard? Yes. I I love honey mustard. They got a honey fantastic burger. It's great. Five Guys is better. Like Kuma's Corner is probably better. Like, but it's still great. It's a nine point one burger, but there are nine point nine burgers out there. There are nine point seven beef sandwiches out there. I'm just dude. They have a great hot dog. It's outstanding. It's got a snap. It's good. The bun is nice. They got the little poppy seeds, but it ain't. I guess Gene I should have Larkin number one on my list. Of it summers. ain't Gene and Jude's. It's Larkin not Jones. Nana's or Nana's, however you pronounce it. Nana's has a better hot dog, but Portillo's is still right. damn good. Yeah. Portillo's chocolate cake. I don't know if I've had better chocolate cake in my life. They might have the best chocolate cake. And then, have you ever had a chocolate cake shake? I have. Yeah. Woo! Not bad. So good. So good. But there are people who would say steak and shake have a better milkshake. Just saying. That's true. They're the jack of all trades, but master of none. That's kind of Portillo's. Interesting. Interesting. You never thought about it that way, but you haven't come out and firmly said, like, no, I know for a fact their burger is better than Five Guys. Or, no, I know for a fact their burger is better than uh, Bulldogs. Well. Any place, I don't. I feel like I can't compare Portillo's and Bulldogs. I, I agree. Like Bulldogs more of a restaurant. Portillo's is more fast food. Yeah, I wouldn't consider Bulldogs fast food. 
No, me either. Now, Five Guys, you could compare it because it's more fast foody. Yeah, it's like good food quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Ooh, My I burger's like... not better than Bulldog's, but I'm strictly talking fast food burgers. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I'm trying to, like, Five Guys is up there. I haven't had it. Five Guys in a while. Me either. Me either. And listen, Portillo's is great. I love Portillo's. You know what they... Every place has this good if they do it right. The cheese sauce oh, yeah. for they their fries. The best they have one of the best cheeses. Just because it's always warm. You never really get like a bad old batch. Like it's just always fresh. Their crinkle fries are great. And I'm not normally a crinkle fry guy. But for some reason, Portillo's, they hit. I think it's because most places undercook crinkle fries. Portillo's, they're nice and crispy. Every I time. love their fries. Oh, yeah. Their fries are great. Normally, when I find out places have crinkle fries, I say no thank you and order a different size. Really? Yeah. But for some reason, Portillo's, they make great crinkle fries. See, there's no fry that bothers me. You want to give me shoestring steak fry, crinkle? I don't care. I'll eat them all. The only one I don't really love is uh, crink- um, crinkle. And then steak fries are they're not you even don't fries. like steak fries? They're, they're not even fries, dude. They're potato wedges. Get out of here. They're freaking potato wedges. Um, Frank, we were both way off about the NHL 24 cover. Yeah. Um, but once it was announced, I was like, what a moron I am. Like, of course he young was a guy. Candidate. It's yeah. always somebody young. Yeah, but don't you agree, though? Like, when it was announced, it was like, huh, we didn't mention him. But I like, didn't mention him. I really didn't think of him, but there were reasons why. All right, go ahead. Break it down. There's only been – he is now only the third defenseman of the past, like, 20 years or 15 years or something to be featured on the cover of an NHL video game. P.K. Subban. Yeah. And not – I forgot the other one. Who was on the cover of 2004? Ovechkin. Oh. Was it Pronger? Pronger. No, no. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. Um, I'll get it here. One sec. Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko are the only NHL covers in the last 30 or since its existence to make it past the first round. Kane's the only one to win the cup on the year. He was on it, win the cup. And only eight players have won an award of some sort. It's kind of becoming a kind of becoming a curse, but I don't really buy it. Kale McCarr. Um, it was. Hold on. Dion Phaneuf, 09. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's my first ever NHL. Yeah. That's my first ever NHL. I've gotten every one since. So he's not, you know, he's not used to that. Or it's not used to that. EA Sports isn't used to putting uh, defensemen on the cover. He's also the third Colorado Avalanche player to be on the cover. There you go. I um, did. I did. Joe uh, was on 2004, not Ovechkin. Then Ovechkin was on 07 then or something. Yeah. Um, I know Danny Heatley got booted off of one cover. I remember that. Um, because of getting in that car accident and a whole investigation around that. Um, and then Patrick Kane got booted from a cover too, I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but hey, Kale McCarr, I did a tweet on him. He is one in his career so far. The Stanley Cup, the Conn Smythe Trophy, the Norris Trophy, the Calder Trophy. Now he's on an NHL cover, and he's been in. He's in been in the league for four years. He's been an All Star three of them, and the one he wasn't 
was the COVID year when there wasn't the 56 game schedule when there was no all-star game. So, I mean, he's, he's the early stages of a legend. Like Duncan Keith is a Duncan Keith is a top 100 player ever. Is he a legend? Uh, A Blackhawks legend. Absolutely. Kale McCarr is on track to be like an NHL legend. Like he's an right. Ovechkin. Yeah, he's all right. He was only number one by unanimous decision. He's the only one that we said it's not even close. Like, we both thought Kucherov was the number one. But, like, if you told me, like, you thought it was someone else, right? Like, if you told me that you thought Pasternak was the number one winger, I, I wouldn't have argued with you. I wouldn't have thought you were dumb. You try to tell me someone's better than Kale McCarr. I literally will question if you like watch hockey. Well, centers too. It'll be. Yeah, there are people out there though. There are more people out there that would argue my number one center pick than my number one defenseman pick. I believe that. Did you get a chance to watch the trailer? Yes, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Can't wait for Chell. A couple of the features that I wanted featured in NHL 24 were granted. So lay them out. The, uh, you can now, this is, they're both returning features, but they're features that shouldn't have left the game in the first place. Um, you could check players over the boards once again, which I don't know why they would even take that out in the first place because it just adds to the realism of the game. And the, the glass could break again. So I felt like those two things should have been in there, and uh, they are. So I'm excited about it. And I like the new um, aspect of pressure, the new pressure feature. Players in the defensive end will get tired. The goaltender will get tired the more you pressure. I kind of like that. I f- have a feeling a lot of people are going to complain about it, though. Yep, I agree. But we'll see. It's I'm, I'm pumped. I think the cover, like, if you told me Kale McCarr was going to be on the cover, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that makes a shit ton of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we didn't mention him at all. He's the best. You could argue he's the second best player in the league, best defenseman in the league. Um, he's. I would take him number two in a draft. Of any player. Like, if you were starting a franchise from scratch, I would take Kale McCarr number two. Um, I'd probably pick, take Bedard three. Um, they did a good job with, like, the, the portrait, though. Mm-hmm. Unreal picture That's what I meant to Kale say. It's, it's probably one of my favorite covers of all time. Yeah, me too. It's me top too. five for sure. And Maybe I think top three. Did they not nail the background with the color scheme of the Avalanche jersey? Oh and yeah. Just the the stance he's making like he's he's clearly like it's a shot of him like with the puck on his stick in the offensive zone ready to like either distribute a pass or send one to the net. It's like insane. it's just a really really cool picture. So shout out to Kale McCarr. Um he's going to be a subject on this show more than 100 times in the next history of the show. So I'm pumped to have Kale McCarr in our life. Um, yeah. Frank, one of the all-time great Boston Bruins, David Krejci, has announced his retirement after a decade-plus in the NHL. Um, he was probably the the like fourth or fifth most important Bruin. But you can argue he was their second most important forward behind Bergeron. And, you know, during that run, the core, Marshan, Bergeron, Krejci, Rask, Chara, they went to three cups. They won one of them. You know, it was just a, a decade of dominance by this team that year after year had a chance to win the President's Trophy and the Cup, and they did get one cup. And people people are going to rip on them. They only got one cup with that core. Okay. Like, 
the Avalanche won the cup. It looked like it was gonna they were gonna win the next three, and then injuries and inconsistencies made them lose to the freaking Kraken this year. And all of a sudden, going into next year, it's like, well, Colorado's good. They could win the cup. But if Dallas smoked them, I wouldn't be surprised. If Vegas smoked them, I wouldn't be surprised. If they made it to the cup and got destroyed by New Jersey or Carolina, I wouldn't be surprised. And then all of a sudden, two years from now, you start to see a little bit of changed roster. And so winning like multiple cups is so hard. That's why what the Lightning and Blackhawks did is super duper impressive. Same thing with the Penguins and Kings. Um, like the Capitals, they got one. The Blues, they got one. And those cores were dominant for a decade Yeah, in the regular season and playoffs. So credit to the Bruins, credit to David Krejci. I do think he's one of the most underrated players of his era. If they were to redo his draft, 2004, he'd probably go in the top five. Obviously, nobody's taking him over Malkin or Ovechkin. But three is really like possible there. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, the draft and just an incredible playmaker only had like 200 and something goals, which is a very little amount in my opinion for someone who had close to 800 points. So just an incredible distributor of the puck. Um, Fun to watch for all those years. Congratulations on retirement. Number 46, David Krejci. Yeah, we knew the retirement was coming. He just made it official. He played all 16 years of his career with the Boston Bruins. And, you know, for a long time for, while he was on the team with Bergeron, they were the one-two punch at center for over a decade and a half. I mean, if you have great center depth, you're going to be a pretty well-set team. And look what the Bruins were able to do with Krejci and Bergeron on the team. Um, while Krejci was on the team in his 16 years, the Bruins were able to make the playoffs 13 of those years. And that's not a coincidence. Um, it, it pays to have tremendous center depth. And, you know, you look at his career as a whole, he doesn't have a lot of hardware hardware to support his career. He's got one Stanley Cup. That's it. But, you know, you look at his career stats. He's played over 1,000 games. He's got 785 points. Didn't score a ton of goals, but he participated in a lot of playoff games, and he has a lot of playoff points, which to me are more important in the long run. He had a great year. He's going to be missed. Huge player for the Bruins. And the, trust me, they're going to be missing him and Bergeron at one, too. I agree. It would not surprise me at all. If they retired his number, they might Um, because he's just they've retired so many other guys numbers for doing significantly less than crazy. And it's also number 46. I think you could get away with that. Like who else is going to come in and demand number 46? It's not (laughs) like he's not like he's seven or anything like that. Um, But, you know, I think winning the cup. I'll say this. David Krejci was equally as important as Bergeron in the playoffs. Yeah. He he led them in scoring, I'm pretty sure, all three times they went to the cup. For some reason, he start like it was almost like he started shooting more once the playoffs started because I think the points, the assists are probably around the same. If I had to break it down point per game, I would have to look into that. But um I think David Krejci, like right there with Bergeron in terms, and Rask, because Rask's numbers in the playoffs were unbelievable. I remember that he gave up two goals in one whole series one time. Um, but Krejci is just like equally as, you know, notable when it comes to all time Bruins playoff history. So congratulations on a great career. Um, we'll be talking about David Krejci again because I believe. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. No, I don't either. Bruins Hall of Fame, if they yeah. have. 
Mm-hmm. But no, he's not a Hall of Famer. I don't think so. Um, if you put he David, if you put David Krejci, and then you got to start putting in guys like Sharp. You know, Corey Sharp. Crawford. <laughs> I think Corey Crawford deserves it. I thought he did too. I was kind of surprised. But... I do too. I, well, not first ballot. I don't think you're not putting him in next to Lundquist. That's uh, kind of. I think that matters. But like his numbers are worthy, in my opinion, and three cups. Um, I don't know. The Hawks played a great style that helped him out. There's no doubt. Um, people don't. Re- the Dynasty Blackhawks were a defensive-minded team. I know Mr. Showtime made it seem otherwise, but Marion Hosa, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Sharp, Duncan Keith, all of those guys were defensive first players. And guys like Sharp were able to score, and Taves was able to score, Hosa was able to score, but they were very much two-way forwards. Um, only Patrick Kane really was the offensive only guy. Um, but, hey, Corey Crawford, shout-out to him. That's a good yeah. name right there to drop. Um, beat David Krejci's Bruins in one cup. Um, and that's funny. The year the Bruins won the cup, I'm pretty sure that was Crawford's – was that Crawford's rookie season? It was. They lost to the Canucks in seven. Who the Bruins beat in the final. Yeah. In seven. So hockey has a funny way of circling back. Um, we'll be talking about David Krejci again, though, like you said, probably not for a Hall of Fame speech. His name will appear on the ballot. I just don't think he gets 75% of votes or whatever it is in the NHL. Um, but I do think they'll honor him in oh, yeah. some way, shape, or form. They'll either have a retirement night. Um, maybe they'll retire his number. He's not a statue guy or anything like that, but if they retire his number or put him in a ring of honor of some sort or something like that, uh, David Krejci is one of the one. Tw- – I'll go 20 most important Bruins of all time. That's fair. So, I'd agree probably. Yeah. Shout out to – Maybe uh, even less than 20. Yeah, possibly. I mean, we went over the Mount Rushmore, Phil Esposito. 20 is uh, a lot. I'd say less than 20. Yeah. It probably I thought I was just doing it to be like generous, like Phil Esposito, Bobby or Patrice Bergeron, uh, Raymond Bork. Uh, there are probably some old school Bruins fans who would put Milton Schmidt over a guy like Krejci, even though I think Krejci would dance circles around any of the guys that played in that era. Um, but yeah, shout out David Krejci. Yeah. All right, Frank. Is there anything left from the topics of the housekeeping first period that you want to touch on? Because honestly, making it to 31 minutes is less than even I anticipated because I said we were going to fly through the first period because we're so excited to get to period number two. So I'm wondering, you got anything left in the tank or do we dive right into it? Do you plan on getting NHL 24? Uh, Day one. Okay, fair enough. Day one NHL 24, it is a lock. An absolute lock. Um, And we are going to go and bring the heat in period number two. Frank, this freaking headset is just hurting my head today. I can't tell you why. That's tough. Never hurts my head. I think I just fixed it, though. Um, Hopefully. Frank, we have been waiting for this for a long time. Yes, it was fun breaking down the top five goalies in the NHL and the top six or the top ten goalies, defensemen in the NHL and the top ten left wingers in the NHL and the top ten right wingers in the NHL. If you missed it, you can go back 
and watch us break down those lists on previous episodes of Bar Down. Two weeks ago, episode 122, you will find the defensemen and the goaltenders. Last week, episode number 131, you can go back and listen to 20. No, did I say 31? What a moron I am. Episode number 123, you can hear the both sides of the wing and now it is time to discuss the greatest position in the nhl in terms of depth in my opinion there are more elite players that play this position than any other position we are talking about the center forward position the center frank I've been looking forward to this for a long time. And, oh, by the way, you go back and listen to those old episodes I just mentioned for those. You can also find them on my Twitter if you don't want to hear actual breakdowns of each person. But I do think instead of just reading them on Twitter, you'll get more information out of listening to the episode. So go do it. Frank, the top 20 centers in the NHL going into the sport. Before we start, though, I want to say something. Go ahead. I think I got a player on my list that's not even going to be in your top 20. Why would that be shocking? You probably have more than one. Like, but are I'm you saying like? Are you wording it like you have a player in your top twenty that I might not have in my top fifty? No. Okay. But like one that I think, you know what you said before me, before the show. Like, if I don't have one, I think you're crazy. I won't. I'll think you're crazy if you don't have this guy, and I don't think you'll have him. And I don't think you have him. Okay. I'm interested. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see, though. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I'm interested. Because, like, I remember getting to 20 and, like, number 18, eh, they're all pretty much elite. I would say every single one of these players is elite. They're all I'll, top. We'll, we'll go through all... them all, and then you could guess which one it was. Yeah. Every player here is in the top 50. Yeah. But are there? I want. There are probably some centers that aren't going to be named today, that would make the list if we did a top fifty players, and then some of the other wingers would get dropped. Dude, out. sixteen through twenty was so hard. Twenty was hard, but you know, uh, there's not much that separates nineteen from twenty. Yeah, well, you're gonna think I'm crazy. I flew through it. I I mean I didn't. I flew through it too. Kind of. I was like, I twenty think was I the hardest there. for me. Okay. I'm interested, but I will let you start off with number one, the most probably consensus pick of anything ever. I think less people would agree on the sky being blue. You'd have more people be like, no, that shit's green. than (laughs) if then people who would debate this pick number one, the number one center in the NHL and the number one player in the NHL. I have Connor McDavid. Six out of his eight years in the NHL, he scored over 100 points. He had a 153-point season last year, which was the first player to do so in 27 years. At the age of 26, he has he's a six-time All-Star, a five-time Art Ross winner, a four-time Ted Lindsay winner, a three-time Hart Trophy winner. The list goes on. He's simply remarkable. I really don't see an argument against it. There's really no argument against it. Um, he has been the best player in the league for about five years now. Um, it took people a minute to admit he was better than Sidney Crosby. And then not long after McDavid took over for Sidney Crosby as the best player of the league, uh, three or four players jumped Sidney Crosby in terms of the ranking in the league. Um, I'm assuming he'll appear on both of our lists. 
um, because he is still one of the very best players in the world, Um, not just centers, players. Um, But Connor McDavid is different. He's the fastest skater who ever lived. And then somehow he's the only player in the NHL. Now, let me be clear. I think Dylan Larkin, I think Andreas Athanasiu, there are uh, uh, before he like left the league. Michael Grabner, Marion Gabrick, those guys were probably equally as fast as McDavid with the puck. Taylor Hall, mm-hmm. incredibly fast. I think Hall had a ninety-nine speed in NHL one year. I think he did, um, which is like the highest ever. Um, incredibly fast, incredibly fast. All those guys equally as fast as McDavid without the puck. McDusty does not slow down. When he gets the puck on his stick, all those other guys do. It's natural. Get the puck on your stick, you naturally slow down just a little bit and focus more on that than skating. Somehow, Connor Mc... People say he gets faster with the puck. That's I don't believe that. I think it appears that he gets faster because those around him slow down when he has the puck. So it appears that... But because he didn't slow down himself, nobody catches his path in stride better because he doesn't slow down once he gets the puck. You can put it exactly where it needs to be, and McDavid will get it and receive it and be in prime scoring position because of his speed. He's so fast that he could skate through people with the puck, and they don't go for the puck because they're so focused on how fast he's coming through them. They've never seen anything like it before. He skates like Barishnikov, except he's a fucking hockey player. He's the greatest skater who ever lived, and you combine Pavel Datsuk's awareness and Patrick Kane's hands and Alexander Ovechkin's shooting ability, and you put that on the fastest skate to ever live, you have Connor McDavid. Um, his defensive game has improved a lot since his first two years in the league when it wasn't really all that good. Um, he's not, you know, Sidney Crosby defensively or Austin Matthews defensively, but he's up there, and a lot of that has to do with his speed. If he makes a mistake and the puck ends up going the other way, he'll just fucking skate faster than you and catch you again. <laughs> back back check not because he's an elite back checker just because he's 10 times faster than you he is the greatest player in the league right now and frank i must say he might not reach the apex of Sidney crosby because he would need to win three cups and have close to 2,000 points it, it, maybe he will have 2,000 points i think it's very possible he's going to break 100 or he's going to break a thousand this year at 27 years old um, if he reaches 150 points this season, which I think he will. Uh, Yahoo has him at 160. So he'll be over 1,000 points before his 28th birthday. That's unheard of. Um, he absolutely could get up there. I think based on pure skill, though, he's the greatest hockey player who ever lived. Gretzky was not this skilled. He was more productive, slightly. Uh, Sidney Crosby maybe a tad bit more productive in terms of winning, but I think McDavid blows Sidney out of the way in terms of skill. Sid was when he was in his prime getting 110 points a season, it was a lot of using his butt in the front of the net to create space for himself. And then he had Datsuk's hands in low and like, you know, winning board battles and making sick cross crease passes. McDavid, he's just so much more skilled than everyone at everything. And he scored 60 goals this season, basically because we all dared him to. You know, it's like, oh, Connor McDavid, he'll have 40 goals every year of his career, but I'll have 140 points. He's like, no, my assist numbers aren't going to drop. In fact, they're going to stay exactly the same, if not get better, and I'm going to have 60 goals. So, Connor McDavid, the number one uh, centerman in the NHL. I think we would both agree that he's the number one player in the NHL. Correct. At number two, I want to preface something before diving into two. 
Okay, and I want to ask you one more question too. Does it have to do with McDavid? No. Okay. Um, number two and number three can be flipped, in my opinion. I think you can give either one of them. And the guy who's number two for me this year was number three for me last year. And the guy who's number three for me this year was number two for me last year. And I literally, I think the guy I have number two is right for what we just saw last season. But it would not shock me at all if the guy who I have at number three comes into this season healthy, motivated, and on a much better, an improved team. And I think he has a chance to be number two on my list on next year's version of this show. So I do want to say that before we get into it. I really, I have no discourse between two and three other than it could literally rotate every year. Um, go ahead with your question. I don't think I need to ask you now. Why? Because I think I was going to ask you how long do you think our list will go the same before they change? And I think they're going to change it too. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Never my, my number two player on the center's list is Nathan McKinnon, the Nate dog. The Nate dog had the second best points per game last season, and he had 110 points, I think. I don't even know the exact number. He had a lot of points, and he only played like 60-something games. He would have been right up there with McDavid in the 150-ish mark if he were healthy the entire season. And he missed some games in Colorado. They they struggled a little bit. They were in third place for a lot of the year. They ended up in second. Um, it he's just a great player though. I, like if McDavid didn't exist, no one would have a problem calling the Nate Dog the best player in the league. I do think the player in third will be probably right there for second every year. But they're two and three. No, they're both two B, right? In my opinion, McDavid's one, and they're both two B. But I'm going with McKinnon this year at number two because of the points per game last year, and he was just a beast all season long. I don't think there's any doubt he was the second-best player in the league or the second-best center in the league last year. Now, if you have a guy different than him now, it's probably because of what you think about his skill set and his future and all that, and I get that. But last year, the second-best center was Nathan McKinnon. I think he probably will be right there for that again this year. The Nate Dog comes in on my list at number two. You could still answer the question if you want before I give my number two. So, yes, I think our list changes at six. At six? Because you're going to say the Nate dog now. You thought I was going to say the other one. I think our list changes at three. I'm a little worried on your three. Number two, I got Nathan McKinnon. He already led his team to the Stanley Cup. There's a reason these guys go number one and two in fantasy and they would i think if we held the draft in real life i think they'd go number one and two they both bring so much to the table he might not get 100 points every season but he is just as explosive he's just as fun to watch you know he's got 10 years in the nhl under his belt and i just feel like right now we're getting to nathan mckinnon's prime You know, last year he had a career high 42 goals and 69 points for 111 points, and he only played 71 games. Let that sink in just a second. It sometimes takes players all 82 games to get 100 points. It took him 71 to get 111, and he didn't even play a full season. I really don't think it's close. I think he's the consensus number two. Um, Just because, like, I, I, him and McDavid to me are two of the most complete centers 
in the league right now. I don't think three and on, I don't think are as complete as Mc, uh, McDavid and McKinnon. That's very fair. I want to know, I'm curious what you thought, where I, where you thought I was going with this based on last year being the number two. I don't um, remember who your number two was last year, so I don't know. All right, go go ahead with your number three pick, though. I think your three is going to be different than me, but your my three is going to be your four, I think. And right. your three is going to be my four. Okay. But I have a little bit of reason for that. Okay. Method to my madness. So, number three, I got Leon Dreisaitl. He's had 350 goal seasons, 400 point seasons, and that's all just with nine seasons under his belt. He's coming in when when Leon Dreisaitl comes down the ice. I genuinely get nervous every time he takes a shot, and that doesn't happen with a lot of players in the NHL. But what doesn't make Leon number two on my list is that, and there's nothing wrong with this, is that he relies to me on the for me on the power play too much. There's nothing wrong by that by any means. You take what's given you a point to point. He had 32 power play goals and 30 power play assists last season. He plays with McDavid on the power play, which helps him a lot. And I just don't see him as much as a complete player as obviously McDavid or McKinnon, just because if he didn't play on a power play or on a team with McDavid, I do think his production would slow down tremendously. Um, I mean, the proof is in the stats right there. He had 62 of his points last year came on the power play, which, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. You take what's given you, and that and that's how you win games. But I, I just feel like Leon Dreisaitl, because of the circumstances that he's in, I'd have him at number three on my list. Absolutely. And I think we both agree Leon Dreisaitl is not elite because of Connor McDavid. No, he it helps, without it, but it, it helps him pad his stats. Correct. There's a reason Paul Yarvey didn't work out in Edmonton. There's a reason Yamamoto didn't work out in Edmonton. Those guys have moved on. Dreisaitl stuck, okay, because he's also very good. Go ahead. But because you take what's given you and because he plays on the Oilers, right now he's the third best center in the league because of everything we've seen so far and because of everything I mentioned. I mean, 350-goal seasons and 400-point seasons, that's, that's tough. And for all the reasons you have him at number three is why I have him down my list you'll see. Right. That's why I had a feeling it wouldn't be three. I have Austin Matthews at number three, and I will tell you why. Austin Matthews, out of every player we've named so far, the four, there's a, the big four, Austin Matthews is the best out of all of them defensively. It would not shock me if in his career Austin Matthews wins a Selkie trophy. In fact, he's helped Mitch Marner appear to be one of the best defensive wingers in the league and all credit to Marner. Marner deserves tons of credit. He does it all on his own, but Matthews helps and Matthews scored 41 goals this last season. And it was a down year. He's going to get back to scoring 60, his 60, his wrist was fucked up all last season. There's no doubt in my mind that he hurt his wrist in October and it carried, he wasn't scoring the, where he brings his hands together goal quite as much last year. There were a lot of tips, a lot of around the net. If he comes into this season healthy and ready to rock, and it appears that he is going to, I believe he will get right back in the 50s, maybe even potentially 60. Do you know this brother has 299 career goals? Ovechkin, at the exact same age, had 301. Two more! Two more! I can't guarantee Ovechkin's health for Matthews. I would almost bet against it. So I'm not certain he breaks the record that Gretzky or I, I don't I don't even know if he gets to 800 in the Gordie Howe territory. Gretzky 
Gretzky, Howe, and um, Ovechkin are the only ones with 800 or more. I think he scores 700. I really, really do. And next year, if he's coming off a 60-goal season again, and him and the Nate Dog are about both each 1.1 goal per game or point per game, I'm giving the slight edge to Matthews because of the defensive work. So this year, after the season that the Nate Dog had, he gets the slight edge over Matthews for me. But the reason Matthews gets the edge over Dreisaitl is some of the things you mentioned, a lot of the power play points. And McDavid gets a lot of power play points too. But I think if you took away McDavid's power play points, he'd still have 105 points, 110 points. And let's not forget, it was the best power play in NHL history last year. Too. Yes, and it has everything it needs. Cle- not Clefbaum. Bouchard is becoming one of the best power play clap guys in the NHL. And that's not because of McDavid. Yes, the, because of McDavid, does he have tape-to-tape passes? Yes, but if he played in New Jersey and he had Jack Hughes giving him tape-to-tape passes, he'd score 15 power play goals himself too as a defenseman. Mm-hmm. So, like, you, it's it's a culmination of a lot of things that Edmonton did well to build their power play. Um, but Leon Dreisaitl, he comes in at my number four. Um, I do think the world of him. I think if he went to another team, it's like Malkin back in the day. If Malkin went to another team back in the day, I still think he'd be a 100-point guy. If he went to Washington and Ovechkin went to Pittsburgh instead, you know, one, two, uh, he leads Washington to a cup, in my opinion. Like, he's that dynamic. Sidney Crosby essentially missed two full seasons with a concussion in the early 2010s. Guess what? Malkin won the Art Ross Trophy in both of those seasons and the Hart Trophy in one of them. Mm-hmm. So, and the year McDavid missed the end, who won the Hart Trophy? Who, who won the scoring title? Leon Dreisaitl. So, yes, McDavid helps on the power play. There's no doubt about it. The points would come down just a tick. That's a fact, in my opinion. The points would come down just a tad, but I still think he's the fourth best center in the league. I would take Matthews, McDusty, and the Nate dog ahead of him, but Leon Dreisaitl would be a number one center on basically every other team in the NHL. He's that good at number four. Your number four, sir. Um, My number four, I got Austin Matthews. Seven seasons in the NHL, and he's good for about 40 each year. He's done it five times, including his rookie year. He's a pure goal scorer. He gets his assists, but he does most of his damage um, with his goals. He's a two-time Rocket Richard winner. Since entering the league in 2016, he has scored the most goals. The only player, or no, or yeah, he is. He scored the most goals. He's got two more than Ovechkin with 297 goals, um, which is very impressive. Like I said, relies on his goal scoring a lot. This once again, like I said, the assists come here and there because of how elite he is. But scoring goals is what he does best. And it just seems like every time I peek at the Toronto Maple Leafs box score, Austin Matthews' face comes up. Because of how how much he scores, how good he is at scoring, Austin Matthews at number four. That's what I got. He's got a hundred goals in the last two seasons. That's a lot. You take it's averaging fifty goals a season. If he yeah. averages fifty goals a season for the next five or six years, he will find himself in the late five hundreds with a chance late in his career to put together a couple thirty goal seasons to potentially. If he stays healthy, catch Ovechkin, Gretzky, whoever's at the top when it's all said and done, or at minimum be a 700 goal scoring wagon that goes to the Hall of Fame with ease. Austin Matthews is unreal. My prediction is he'll be number two on our list next year. I don't think he's going to be happy with the way the Leafs won around and then went flat in the second. They added added Bertuzzi. They added Domi. 
I mean, there's less pressure on the top lines. The opposing defenses are going to have to spread out their D a little bit better. Um, William Nylander's there. Tavares is still there. Um, I love, I actually really like their defense now. Um, goaltending's an issue. If Sam Sonoff can repeat last year, though, dude had a 919 save percentage last year. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they're in the regular season, I I have no reason to think Thews won't be number two on my list next year, maybe number two or three on your list next year, too. But I think these are the clear big four in the Absolutely. NHL when it comes to center. And two of them happen, happen to be on the same team. But my hope is that next year we talk about a big five and, like, mean it. But number five is your turn. You know, I debated putting somebody higher than this on my list um, and not having this person here. But uh, number five, I got Sidney Crosby, just because at 35 years old, he sold, he had 93 points, including 33 goals at 35 years old. He's going on his 19th year in the NHL, and he's still got gas left in the tank. It just goes to show you how great Crosby's been and was in an era, in his era, and is still producing at the age he is now. The game sped up, and he slowed down, but he still proves he can hang with the best in the NHL. This may be, though, the last year we could say he's a top five center in the NHL. I truly believe that. I ended it last year for Sid. Wow. <laughs> I put I, – I couldn't not do this. Your five is my six. I couldn't do – like, I, I thought of every way to not do it so I didn't look like a homer. I went through all the statistics. I went through defensive game. I went for their impact on their team. I looked at Hart Trophy votes this last season. I studied this thing. Is I did everything I could to lower this player, so I didn't come off as a biased a hole. I put Jack Hughes of the New Jersey Devils as the fifth best center in the NHL. He had more points. He had more goals, assists, and points than Sidney Crosby last year. He has a better points per game in the last two seasons than basically every offensive guru in the NHL besides the four that we just named. So he clearly was a clear fifth for me right now. Because trust me, I'd love to put him higher. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. I don't see it next year, but I see it in the future. Um, I, I tried so hard not to put him five. I gave it my all to not be a homer here. And I could not put anybody below him. He, in my opinion, the way he skates for me. So like McDusty's greatest trait is his skating. The Nate dog's greatest trait is like his power. He's a power forward. And he like drives the net better than any player in the league. Matthews is his shooting. Dry Seidel is his shooting. Jack Hughes is his vision. He is the probably the best player at the NHL at determining whether or not he needs to shoot or pass. You know, McDavid was a shoot first player this season. I know that sounds crazy, but he had 60 goals. The Nate dog was a pass first player. Matthews and dry are always be shoot first. Jack Hughes. You have no freaking clue what he's going to do every single time. McDavid's probably the McDavid's actually probably better at both too. I know he had 60 goals, but it kind of hit me. He also had 80 assists. Like, fucking banana lance he almost had more assists than all these guys had points um but uh, besides mcdavid jack hughes i have no clue if he's gonna pass it to the other side to brat or take the shot himself and neither does the goalie and that's what makes him so elite um i couldn't help but put him at number five i thought he was just 
sensational this last season. His first healthy in the NHL. He played 90 games last year. Sign, so 78 regular season games. Someone on Twitter today was like, well, talk to me when he plays all 82. I'm like, I would sign right now on paper. I would write a contract for Jack Hughes to play 78 games every single year for the rest of his but career. Who cares the, if he misses that game with a lot of the time they won't play the 82nd game for like safety reasons. Exactly. So, Especially if they're as good as we think they're going to be for most of his career. All right. Yeah. That's just a dumb take. Whoever said that. I agree. So I would, I would take 78 games though. You miss this game with a cold or your arms a little sore in this game, or your legs are a little sore from that game. You know, you, you had a, a late OT game that went to a shootout against the Rangers and Jack Hughes got his foot nicked up by a shot or something, and he takes the next game off. Like, take it no, off. There's no reason if McDavid's got 150 points and they're locked into the division to win the division, why play him in the 82nd game? It's stupid. Exactly. Whoever said that really doesn't know anything about sports, let alone hockey. I agree. But, Frank, your number five does come in at my number six, one of the greatest players who ever lived, Sidney Crosby. Of the Pittsburgh Penguins, he was number one on this list for a very long time. He was number two for about one year and then really started to fall down into the three, four, five category. But 93 points, legend of the game. Pittsburgh just missed, and they only just missed because he was so good. I think the Penguins as a team got much better this offseason. They added so much depth. But Sidney Crosby's a complete gamer. You know he's coming into the season believing that they could win the Cup. And whether or not that's realistic remains to be seen. But you better believe you're going to see one of the better versions we've seen of Sidney Crosby in this upcoming season. And I always refer, people who have watched the show have heard me say this. I can, I say Sidney Crosby is like Zach Parisi on crack. They play the same exact game. Crosby's much better at it, though, even though Parisi was elite for a long time. Go to the net, tip in pucks, take a beating in the corner, but turn that into instant offensive and have 110 points doing it. That's why Sydney, what made Sidney Crosby so special. He didn't have all of the razzle dazzle that McDavid has. He never scored 60 like Matthews or pasta or anyone like that, but he was just always the best version of himself. And that was, it's like a superstar grinder. He's like a fourth liner that could have 120 points any given season. That's Sidney Crosby. I have him at number six, and I'm, I'm proud of my top six. The fact that I, I tried everything to lower Hughes. I sat there. I'm like, they're going to think I'm a homer. I'm the devil's guy, and I'm going to put this 22-year-old as the fifth-best center in the NHL. I could not justify putting him anywhere else. No, not I don't disagree with you. Um, I didn't think you would. I almost had Hughes at five. I have him at six. And the reason I put Sidney Crosby at five was just because what he did, he had six less points than Hughes, but he did it at 35 years old. And that to me says a lot because some of the greatest players, maybe not elite, but some of the great, great players in the NHL, when you get to 30, 35 years of age, you're like scratching 70 points. So to get 93 and almost get as much points, as many points as Jack Hughes, to me, the age is what did it. And I'm sure next year, Jack Hughes will be in inside my top five. But for right now, I got him at six. Last year, we saw what he was made of. Finally, like, saw what he was truly capable of. And I don't believe he reached a ceiling yet. He had 99 points, 43 goals, 56 assists. He'll hit the 100-point mark in his career, and it'll probably end up being this year. 
He's just scratching the surface at the moment, and this young Devils team is only going to make him better. Something you didn't mention, but we've mentioned before, he was runner-up for the Lady Bing, and that's hard to do when you're such a dynamic player in key places on the ice. Jack Hughes, for me, comes in at number six. Yeah, to have that few penalty minutes when you have the puck on your stick or around you that often is insane. I think Jack Hughes and another top center on the team that I'm not going to say right now, um, I believe they combined for a total of six penalty minutes this season. So it's always good to stay out of the box when you're a puck guy. But go ahead with your number seven. My seven, I think, might shock you a little bit. It's probably a name you don't expect to come out of my mouth. But once again, I have my reasons. My number seven is Elias Pedersen for the Vancouver Canucks. He doesn't have a ton of help on the Canucks, and that's part of the reason why I got him here. This team needs a tremendous amount of help, but he is the bright spot on this team. This past season was the first time in his young five-year career he got 100 points, and he's only 24 years of age, on a team that doesn't provide him any help. This goes to show you what type of skill he possesses and that if he ever goes to a contending team or if he's on the Canucks and it's a team that's ready to win and they build around him the right way, he will be a 100-point producer constantly. And I think he's one of the most underrated players on this list. I like that pick. He's on my list, not there. Um, Quinn Hughes and Elias Peterson, or Patterson, whatever you say, um, they, they're getting boned in Vancouver. They're both elite. Quinn Hughes, fastest defenseman to 200 points in NHL history. It's basically just him and Peterson running the show there. So um, I like the pick. He's a very, very good player and absolutely deserving of recognition like that. I went in a little bit of a different direction. I picked one of the other guys who had 50 goals this last season, kind of the one of the more underrated players in the NHL. I'm not sure he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Jack- on a hall, I said it like three straight times. Messed up. Trajectory. Um, kind of takes a backseat to some other stars on his team, but he's equally as good as them, if not better. I'm talking about Braden Point of the Tampa Bay Lightning. He is kind of just amazing at everything. He can make passes. He's fast. He's dynamic. The Lightning may have lost a cup. Because of his absence. I know you think Colorado were so much better than them. I didn't. I thought they were about equal. And if they had Braden Point, Colorado might have still won the series. I think I predicted them to win the series. But if they had Braden Point, they, it would not have been as easy as said and done. And he's clutching overtime. I mean, every year it seems like this guy has an overtime winner. One time he had an overtime winner in quadruple over or was it quintuple overtime whatever five is unreal this player 50 goals could play with kucherov could play with stamkos hadman on this great lightning team they they basically so in 2015 when they lost the stanley cup final to the blackhawks their number one center was steven stamkos and he played with killorn on his wing and then i forget who the other winger was on the other side it was probably vladislav nemesnikov if I remember correctly. And then on the second line, they had the line known as the triplets line. Kucherov, Johnson, and Palat. Johnson now on the Blackhawks, Palat now on the Devils, Kucherov still there. But Kucherov plays with Stamkos now. Okay, well, guess what? 
we need to upgrade second line center. Tyler Johnson's good. He's probably more of a third line center though. Braden Point comes along, and they go from being Stanley Cup runner up to back to back Stanley Cup champion. Braden Point has a lot to do with that. Um, he's the number seven center on my list. I like it. I knew you would. At number eight, I kind of gave a guy a benefit of the doubt, even though he was a little injured last year, because of what I saw from him in the playoffs. Way back in the day, I took plenty of heat for telling my co-hosts that I would take him fifth overall if we did an all-NHL draft to start a team from scratch. I'm talking about Alexander Barkov of the Florida Panthers coming in at number eight. He wouldn't be top ten in a redraft for, or a top five for me in a redraft anymore. He'd be top ten, though. And I still stand by it. It would, And this was like six years ago when I said it. And I do believe for about six years, it would have been a smart play because he has been one of the best centers in the NHL. And it would be like somebody laughing at me for saying I would take Bergeron fifth overall in 2006. Like, of course, you would have said Crosby, Ovechkin, Stamkos, Kane, and then Bergeron. I'd rather Bergeron than Kane. I'd rather any center than a winger. Taves was just as important. But, you know... I think Barkov, what he does in the two-way game, he might not have 100 points, but if he has 85 and he's that good defensively where he's basically a third defenseman, that's a money player. There's a reason that once they they gave him a winger that could score some goals. I mean, Huberto set up a lot of goals, but Verhage scored a lot. And I think... I think the world of Barkov, and I'm not surprised at all that he was a number one center on a Stanley Cup final team. He's one of the biggest reasons they were able to do that. Did Kachuk help? Is Kachuk more overall skilled? Yeah, probably. But without Barkov, man, it's like comparing Taves and Kane. You need both. Yeah, for sure. So Barkov comes in on my list at eight. My eight is also Alexander Barkov. Ooh. Yeah, he might not produce as much as the other players that were mentioned on this list, but Barkov has one of the best two-way games in the NHL. He's already won the Selkie Trophy once, and I'd be surprised if he doesn't win it again, to be honest with you. He's top five in Selkie voting in four of the past six years, and he's a reason why the Panthers have been so good over the past handful of seasons. He's the uh, Panthers franchise leader in goals with 234, franchise leader in points with 631, and he's just got one of the best brains out there in the NHL. The only problem is he needs to start staying healthy. In 10 years in the NHL, he's only had one season where he's played more than 80 games. Seven of those seasons, he's played less than 70 games, which if you add it up, we're talking like a whole season and a half or almost two full seasons missed worth of time. That's a lot of missed time. But, you know, if he could stay healthy, he deserves to be a top eight player on my list and obviously your list. So we were kind of thinking the same thing there. You got Alexander Barkov, number eight. I like number, the pick. Number nine. I got Jack Eichel for the Vegas Golden Knights. This is another man that has been plagued by many injuries. You know, he's only been in the playoff one time, and he's won the Stanley Cup in that one time. I don't think that's a coincidence. He brings another dynamic to whatever team he plays on. When he's out there on the ice, when he's not chipping in and scoring points or chipping in with some assists, He's doing other things to help the play defensively. You know, it, it's just remarkable watching him play. And we haven't gotten enough of Jack Eichel because of his injuries lately. You know, his best season, 82 points. But he's capable of 100. 
We just, like I said, the injuries have held them back a bit. But I think what makes him so valuable is that when he's not scoring, like I said, he's just chipping in at other areas of the ice. Makes him so valuable, in my opinion. Proved it when he got to the playoffs. We saw what he could do in the playoffs. And to me, he's deserving of the number nine spot on my list. Very fair. I like that you bring him up as a top ten guy. Um, I'll get more into him in a little bit. I'll say my number nine guy. This might surprise you. It also might not. I I think the world of this player, I think he's one of the best goal scorers in the NHL, and it wouldn't shock me if he finds his way a little bit higher on the list as his team develops because I think there's a chance his team has the number one defensive pair in the NHL maybe starting this season, and that's Tage Thompson of the Buffalo Sabres. Tage had a breakout year the year before, and then he got paid, and now it looks like he might be underpaid because he lived up to it again and then some. And we often talk about guys who look different when they take one T clappers on the power play. Um, Tage Thompson's one of them. And when he gets the puck set up in that office over there, he is capable of blowing it by a goalie. You don't see guys as skilled as him. I mean, he's right there with all the centers outside of, I would say, Outside of, we have the same top six. Outside of those six, Tage Thompson is right there in terms of the most overall offensive skill of any player on this list. And he's like 6'5". He's the biggest player on this list by far, I'm pretty sure. I don't think there's a single player on this list bigger than him. And so he literally is like a power forward stature with a skill game. Um, and Nathan McKinnon's more of a power forward in like the new sense where he like drives the net and is hard to move in the middle of the scoring high danger scoring areas. But Tage Thompson is just like a big dog that is hard to move off the puck. And you basically, it's so hard to defend him because of that. Um, so I have Tage Thompson and his incredible 94 point season, um, coming in at number nine. Cool. At number 10. I have, of the New York Rangers, Mika Zabanajad. Mika Zabanajad is right there with Tage Thompson as one of those players who, on the wing, when they take clap shots, it just looks a little different. Brat, Brat looks fine when he does it, right? It doesn't come off his stick quite as booming, though. He'll <laughs> score on it every now and again. But it's not as, le- it's not as dangerous feeling. You know you, how you said about Drysaddle coming up the wing? Yeah. I feel that way about a guy like Zabanajad or Thompson when the puck is being sent from the defenseman at the top of the point. While the puck is making that move, while it's floating there across the ice, I'm going, no, as it's getting to Tage Thompson or Mika Zabanajad, and they're wound up ready to just destroy it. That's scary to me for them. With Brat, I'm like, okay, it might go in. It likely won't, though. Zabanajad, I'm like, please don't. Please don't. It's just different. Ovechkin, Pasternak. Um, you know, there are other guys that try. Patrick Sharp scored a couple. Patrick Kane scored a couple. Bratt scores a couple. I brought him up. Uh, Jack Hughes does it every now and again. He scores on a couple, but it's just not as booming as a guy like Mika Zabanajad. It is just a powerful shot. They could both go 95 miles an hour, and I would say Zabanajad's went faster. 
because it just looks, it appears different. The way the torque on the stick, the way his body is in motion, it just looks so natural. Nothing looks forced. It just looks like the way it should be done. And Mika Zibanejad, the 10th best center in the NHL, he loves playing. He is productive. He could score 50. He has. Um, he could be right there in the 90s for points. Um I think the world of this player, I, you know, I can't wait to see what's next for him. I'm sad that he's on the Rangers, but he was elite when he was on the Senators. What a lopsided trade that turned out to be. Derek Broussard to Ottawa for the New York Rangers to acquire Mika Zibanejad. Ottawa came within a goal of the Stanley Cup final the following year, so they felt smart, I'm sure. But I also think they'd probably feel smarter having Mika Zibanejad and Tim Stutzla as their one-two punch right now. But maybe that's just me. Um, Frank, you may proceed with your number 10. My number 10 is a man you already mentioned, and that's Braden Point. I get a little nervous that last season was a fluke. Well, I shouldn't use fluke. Fluke's the wrong word. But Yeah, because he's I, got I, a couple, like, 90 points. He's got two. He's got the other one. He had a 92-point season back in 2018-2019. I just – he's not consistent enough where I'm expecting him to do it again this year. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he did. So I don't really know the right terminology or word you would use for that. But he can now say he's part of the 50-goal scoring club. You know, the skill is there. He's super clutch. I think you mentioned that. Since 2016, he scored 44 game-winning goals. And in the playoffs, he is second in goals since 2016 with 40, with three of those being in overtime. Um, this is also, though, something you got to think about, too, which could help him out on the list. Is This is the first time that the Tampa Bay Lightning has had a long time to rest over the summer, which could mean big things for Point if he gets that extra rest in the offseason. You got to think about it. They've made deep runs, deep runs, deep runs. You play the next year, tires you out after a while. So this could be a rejuvenated year for him. Maybe he breaks 100. I'm not expecting him to break a career high of 95 points. Like I said, he did 92 back in 2018. He's just not super consistent for me, but he's still, to me, deserving of a top 10 spot. Do you have his career stats in front of you? No, I don't. Okay, because I'm curious how many points he had when they played 56 games. If he had 70, uh, do it really quick. If he had 70 points that year, Frank. That's the same thing. Let's see. Uh, the year he had the they played fifty six games. Yeah, he had forty eight points. Okay, so it was a down year for him. Yeah, he's not super. That's what I'm saying. He's not super consistent. He's like, he's. It wasn't a fluke because he could do it, but it's like I'm not expecting him to do it again. If he's got eighty points, to me, that's a win. What did he have the the year before? What did he have the year before this last year? Uh, last season, 21-22. Yeah, yeah. 58 points in 66 games. Okay, so he was hurt. Okay. it's You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, no other year, his rookie year, he had 40 points in 60 games. The year after that, he played 82 games. He had 66 points. He's just, it's like, it's flukish, though, without being flukish. I, yeah. I don't know what the word is, but it's like, I'm not expecting him to be a 90-point player, and I'm not expecting him to get 50 goals again. But to me, his performance last year, Makes me want to put him in the top 10 this year just out of respect. But if he's not in my top 10 next year, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest with you. Understood. But I just I just felt like he needed to he just needed to be there this year. Yeah. I my agree. 11 is a guy you just mentioned, Tate Thompson. Proved me wrong this year. Talked a lot of shit about him. But, you know, I thought his 38-goal season last year was a fluke, but he came out and scored 47 this year. 
So he, you know, it, congrats to him. The past year, he set career, this past year, he set career highs in power play goals. He had 20. He had a career high 34 power play points. Um, he had a career high seven game winning goals. So that adds the, you know, the clutch factor to that. And, you know, the Buffalo Sabres are on the up and up. And the, right now, I think they're in win now mode. They're getting there at least. And Thompson is going to showcase, which is what he's really made of. And uh, I think we've seen that over the past two years. I shit on him last year, give him a little more respect this year, and I got him at 11. There you go. My number 11 is a guy you also mentioned as well. I'm taking Jack Eichel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Incredible two-way forward. Having him and Mark Stone on the same team should be illegal because they're both <laughs> capable of having 100 points and being selkie guys. And somehow Eichel was better than Stone. I think Eichel was better than Stone defensively in the playoffs. And it's close because Stone was freaking awesome. And then yesterday we find out on the Pat McAfee show that Stone broke his wrist in the first period of Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final. Do you remember what happened in Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Final? I don't remember. Mark Stone had a hat trick with a freshly broken wrist. Um, and they won the Stanley Cup. Um, credit to him. But Jack Eichel, man. Oh, yeah, was, duh. They won he the was, Cup in five. Yeah, he was the number two pick. He, was, he said on McAfee, Stone. I was praying we'd win because I don't know if I'd be able to play in game six. You have so much adrenaline pumping through those veins when you're already in the middle of the game and you break your wrist and you could just get a couple shots in between the period, the Russian gas, as they say, and <laughs> you'll be fine for that game. Yeah. But then you go home and go to bed and your body calms down a little bit. You wake up in the morning and your wrist looks like, you know, the sun. So thank God they won that game. Otherwise, Stoner probably wouldn't have Seriously, been playing. Yeah. He really probably wouldn't have played game six. And he scored a hat trick in game five. It's weird how the body works when you have all that adrenaline pumping through you. And, you know, it's just like a couple shots. I'll score a hat trick. We'll win this thing. Um, but, yeah, sorry. Going back to Jack Eichel. Um he could do everything. He could score goals. He he kind of uses like a long stick. I've always thought his shot was interesting because it kind he reminds me of how Yager used to play, like his arms just big long monkey arms, and he would uh -huh. just freaking uh, with this long stick and tall boy um, can go to the front of the neck and make sick plays. I expect more points from him and this year with Vegas, much less injury riddled, a little more confidence. A lot of people are pumping Jack Eichel's tires now. Um, it was a lot of. I still think he was always considered the second best player from his draft, even though there were some injuries in the trade and all that, nobody would take too many people from that draft over Jack Eichel besides Connor McDavid, but Eichel's got the cup now. So, yeah. and they're going to be in prime position to try and do it again. I think the duration of Vegas's window is probably Jack Eichel's contract. And we'll see if they're able to make another D playoff run with him. But I had him come in at number 11. I like it. I like that pick. My pick for number 12? Uh, yeah. I'm going with a guy. I had to. I had to do it. I had to do it, my friend. I'm interested to see if we have the same 12. I <laughs> love this man. It could be. I owe a lot of happiness for myself to this man. He is one of the best two-way centers in the NHL. He came in second place for the Selkie Trophy this past season. 
and he's not even the highest player on the list for my favorite team, the New Jersey Devils. At number 12, I have Devils captain Nico Heischer. He has been sensational since being the number one overall pick. He gets overlooked because people like you think Elias Peterson is a touch better. Kale McCart is better. Nobody in Devils land is questioning that. I also think it worked out in their favor anyway because they got their captain, got a number one two-way center, and drafted Luke Hughes the following year or following couple years. I, it's like one of those things like it worked out anyway. No harm, no foul. Nico Heischer is also elite. If that draft were redone, he'd go in the top three, mm-hmm. maybe top two, depending on your opinion of the him versus Peterson debate. Um, or Heiskanen. Heiskanen's up there too. Those top four, kind Patrick would get bumped out and Robertson would come into the top five conversation. So would Ottinger probably. But um, Heischer is just incredible. I'm so happy he's the captain of the Devils. He might be the number one center on Tuesday night if they're playing Pittsburgh, but he would probably be the number three or the number two center on Thursday if they were playing Buffalo because, you know, Jack Hughes is going to get the Owen Powers and the Rasmus Dahlins and all that. And that leaves plenty of room for Heischer to eat. He had 80 points, true breakout season with 30-plus goals. Um, second in Selkie Trophy voting, he'll probably be the odds-on favorite or at least a top five favorite now that Patrice Bergeron is retired to win the trophy pretty much every single year. It'll be him, Barkov, um, Matthews, Marner. It'll be those guys pretty much every single season going forward. So um, Nico, he sure is my number 12. Interesting. It is not my number 12, but my number 12 is somebody who you also adore. And I think you have a lot of respect to, um, for as well. He's a very young guy in the NHL. And that's Tim Stutzla. I got him at 12. I'm going to take a big risk here. Uh, you know, I want him to prove to me he could get 90 points like he did last year. You know, the Senators are not quite there yet. And because of that, he still might not be able to achieve what he did last year. You know, it's a, it's going to be a different looking Senators team this year, you know, to bring it, you know. So, you know, I, I don't know how often he played with them last year or whatnot, but. I, I just don't know if he'll be able to achieve that, but from his potential, it's through the roof. You know, he's only 21 years of age and the Senate and the Senators still were able to provide a 13 point boost in standings. And a lot of that could be said uh, for the help from the help of Tim Stutzla. You know, I can't wait to see what he brings to the NHL this upcoming season. He had 39 goals last year. If he does it again, I think he's going to be a, higher on a lot of people's lists. I just felt like it was right to have him at 12. I don't know. But my 13 is a guy you mentioned already, Mika Zabinijad. The past six seasons, he's gotten at least 24 goals. However, he isn't the type of guy you expect to score 40 goals each season. Instead, he's a playmaker that'll rack up the assists. You know, he finished second on the Rangers in points this year with 91. And I'm pretty sure you mentioned his wicked, wicked shot on the one-timer when it comes to the power play you really have to watch out for him he had 25 20 power play goals this season which was a career high and that powerful weapon he owns the one-timer is so lethal it's not Ovi's one-timer in his office but it's very lethal Mika Zabinijad incredible player incredible player and uh, I think he he's he's one of the more complete players on this list as well because he'll get you what, a healthy amount of goals, but he'll also give you a healthy amount of assists. I like him at 13. I think it's uh, he fits in great there. Uh, Zabanajad plays good D too, so mm-hmm. I didn't even mention that. He's he's an unreal player. I like hearing him be in the top 
echelon of people center lists. Mm -hmm. Um, At number 13, I have Mr. Blackout Dallas himself, Rupe Hints. Rupe Hints is truly one of the best centermen in the NHL. Um, I think what he does with Robertson and then combining it with the elite skill that they have on the back end um, is something that deserves a lot of respect. And honestly, that might be a little low for Rupe Hints. I'm a little biased with Heischer, um, I, but I think Nico's two-way game is what gets him the, the tiebreaker over Hints. And then T- Thompson and Zabanajad go are over Hints because of the power play. Eichel is kind of more a little bit of recency bias with the playoffs. Probably would have had Hints higher on the list going into last year than Eichel uh, and Heischer for sure. Um, but, you know, in that 10 to 14 range, I think is perfect for Hints. And I have him right here at 13 based on everything he could do. He could score. He could make plays. He sets up Jason Robertson. If you could help make an elite winger even greater, um, it works out for everybody and everybody becomes a rich young man. And that is the case for Rupe Hints. He is one of the players that deserve direct credit for the Dallas Stars going from a team that looked like they were headed for a rebuild into one that rebuilds so quickly. Um, they had one bad year where they were the, had the number four pick, and because of that, um, I do think he's worthy of being the number 13 guy on this list. Very fair. And at number 14, I have a guy you mentioned in the top 10. I have Elias Peterson of the Vancouver Canucks, just unreal. Um, when I have him this low on the list, it's because I do wonder if with only Quinn Hughes on the power play, will he be able to put up those types of numbers again? I think so. Um, I also think with Bergeron being retired, he's right there with Heischer as a potential Selkie Trophy guy each and every year. He got votes this year. I'm pretty sure he actually just missed out on being a nominee by a couple points from Marner. Um, And, you know, there are always people biased towards Toronto in voting, so he might have that edge from this last year for that reason. But Peterson, man, there's no doubt if he has 100 points and two penalty minutes and wins 52% of his face-offs and has a Corsi for over 50% and his expected goals for is through the roof. It wouldn't shock me at all, or mainly his expected goals against is through the roof. Um, Wouldn't shock me at all if Peterson won the Selkie Trophy. So, um, yeah, number 14, I have nothing but – basically, it's Kale McCarr from that 2017 draft, and then you could go two through four, Heischer, Peterson, Heiskanen, those three in any order, depending on team need. And I believe every team got what they needed in that draft. Um, the freaking Canucks needed a guy like Peterson. They needed their, mm-hmm. their go-to score. The stars in the avalanche needed a D the devils needed a number one center to play with Taylor Hall and ended up not working with Taylor Hall, but they needed a number one center. Didn't know Hughes was coming yet. Um, so that's how it goes there with Peterson at 14. Your number 14. My number 14 is none other than Rupe Hints. I love an athlete with consistency and balance. However, Rupe Hints might be too balanced. The past two seasons, he scored 37 goals and 35 assists. And then this year, he scored 37 goals and 38 assists. I mean, it's it's almost mirror images of what he does. That's how consistent he did. he is. And he's also one of the most dynamic and threatening player in the postseason as well. He had 10 goals, 14 assists in 19 games, 24 points in the postseason, plays on the top line with Jason Robertson, which is just lethal as well. 
This is a Dallas Stars team that is a contender once again for the Stanley Cup. He's an incredible first-line center and could lead his team to the Stanley Cup. And to do that and not even be a top-10 center in the league just shows you how talented you really are with the team around you. Great consistency. I love Rupe Hintz, number 14. Number 15 is your New Jersey Devil, Nico Heischer. The captain of the New Jersey Devils comes in at 15. Nico is named captain at the age of 22 years old, and because of his character and worth ethic, he's proved to be one of the best players on the Devils, obviously. And, you know, I consider him, I'd say he's one of the best players in the league. He's not top 20 maybe, obviously, but he's up there as, like, when you think of best players in the league, he could come up in – conversation for sure. He could be an all-star any given year. Yeah, right. So uh, to me, that's like you could say he's one of the best players in the league. This proved to be a great move um, by the Devils. Wait, I don't even know why I have that written down. But, you know, he had a career high. I think what I meant to say is him being captain was a great move by the Devils. I, I don't think there's really anybody on the team other than him who would deserve the captaincy as much as him. But he had a career high in goals, assists, and points this past season. You know, you have two top 15 centers in the NHL, according to my list. And that's why the Devils had such a historic improvement from season to season last year. Nico came second in Selkie voting last season. And now with Patrice Bergeron out of the league, I think it may be his time to win. So I got him at 15. I like it. I'm thankful you put him because I I, I like when he gets recognition. You also never lost faith in Heischer when some people were starting to. But he was an example of, okay, he had 50 points in his rookie season. He had one of the better rookie seasons. I think not points-wise, he had the third best rookie season of a number one pick since 2000. Mm-hmm. Or since 2010. And only McDavid and Matthews had more. But he had Taylor Hall on his wing. Then once mm-hmm. Taylor was gone, his points came down just a little bit for a hot minute there while he continued development. And then, wow, by the time he's 22 years old, wow, look at that. All of a sudden, he sure is an elite player and putting up lots of points. And so I appreciate you never uh, jumping off the he sure bandwagon. And now you get to look smart for it, smart for it all these years later. Yep. Um, my number 15, I have a guy you already mentioned, and I'm going to bring up Tim Stutzela of the Ottawa Senators. Um, he's projected this year after scoring 90 something points last year, he's going to play on a line likely at least to start the season. According to dailyfaceoff.com. he will be with Brady Kachuk and Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah. Not bad for him. And then, you know, if things go crazy, they have Claude Giroux, Drake Batherson, two, um, all-star possible wingers on the second line. Josh Norris is slated to be the center for them though. And then they have Kubalik, Shane Pinto, um, on defense, Shabbat, um, <laughs> Jacob Chikrin and Jake Sanderson. Those are two incre- or three incredible defensemen out of six. Um, their top power play unit is projected to be as of right now, Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzlove, Vladimir Tarasenko, um, and Thomas Shabbat. <laughs> but um, I really, I think the world of Stutzla, I actually, the Senators could stink. And I still think Stutzla has a great season points-wise because of all the upper echelon talent that they have at the top of their lineup. If they suck, it's firmly going to be because of the lower end of their lineup. I agree. All right. I forgot you kind of gave your opinion on Stutzla already. There's really not much (laughs) more to say. Um, At number 16, 
I have a guy. You'll be pretty happy I put this guy on my list. I mean, how could you not? If you watch hockey, you understand that Sebastian Ajo is one of the best centermen in the NHL. Um, he, I don't listen. I'm not putting it past any of these guys to just randomly have a hundred point season. Ryan Nugent Hopkins figured it out and had a hundred point season. Any of these guys are capable. I don't think there's a single player on this list that it is just impossible for them to get a 100 point season. Sebastian Ajo hasn't yet. I don't know if it's likely that he does just because of his style of play. Um, But just an outstanding centerman on a very good team. I'm not sure if Rod Brindamore has a system in place for Carolina that allows a hundred point score. And that's Okay. Because they're in the conference finals every year. They can't win a conference final game. They get swept every time they make it to the conference finals. But that's not Sebastian Ajo's fart. In the playoffs, he got a little nasty after year after year, essentially being a Lady Bing candidate. Um, I think, did he win the Lady Bing once? He might have. I don't remember. He's just, he's the definition of like a Finnish sweetheart. And the Carolina Hurricanes are lucky to have him. He can play with any winger. He likes Svechnikov. He likes Taravine. And he likes Nietzsche. There's all sorts of great players he can play with. Um, Sebastian Ajo, I think there's a prime good year ahead of him in this upcoming season. I like that you have him that high. I do. Mm-hmm. This is where it got tough for me. 16 through 20 gets a little tough. I'm going to have a guy here at 16 that might surprise you. Um, we'll see. I'll just tell you now, this is the guy I don't think is going to be on your list. Okay. But I think he's very deserving for what I'm about to say. I got Steven Stamkos at number 16. He's not what he used to be, but let's give recognition to a man that scored 34 goals and 50 assists last year as a 33-year-old. He is still on the younger side of all the veterans in the NHL, and I still view Stamkos' game with a lot of potential given his age. Let's not forget, he scored 160 or he scored 106 points the year prior at age 32. He also led his team to two Stanley Cups, and I would not be shocked for him to get a third under his belt. Stan, Stamkos had some pretty rough injuries over the year that slowed him down, but it didn't slow him down completely like it might other players. I feel like it would be disrespecting him by not having him on the list. So I got him at 16, just outside the top 15. This brings me to my 17th pick. Is a man neither of us has mentioned as well. But I think you might. It's Evgeny Malkin. There's not a lot of older guys on this list, but Malkin is a player that continues to play a great game despite being 37 years old. He's the oldest guy on this list and once again became a point-per-game player for the 15th time out of his 17th year in the NHL. To To achieve that consistency over that long of a career at the highest point of a hockey career, can't get higher than the NHL, to do that all in the NHL, and do it consistently over that long just makes you, you know, an even higher candidate on this list. He could be argued to be even higher than I have him. However, I see a bit of regression from the Penguins this year, and because of that, I see Malkin's game tapering off a little bit more this season, so I have him at 17. At number 17, I also have Evgeny Malkin. Um, I know you had him at 18, but at 17, I have Evgeny Malkin. I have him at 17. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Oh, so you had Stammer at 16. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. At 17, I also have Evgeny Malkin mm-hmm. of the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
Um, I actually, I, I do think the Penguins are going to be sick. I think Malkin has just as many points, if not more this year, because of Eric Carlson being on the power play. I think the five on five points production will probably stay about the same, if not maybe come down just a dad, but the power play production is going to rise. I truly believe that because they have already come out and said that Eric Carlson is in plan to be the quarterback of the power play unit. You could bump down Chris Letang. He could play with Rust and whoever else on that, but Sid, Gino and Carlson snapping it around on the power play. I'm literally. I think the Penguins are going to be must-see TV in terms of offense, and I think Evgeny Malkin, he proved last year that he still has it all in the books. Gino has a way of just always being consistent as long as he's healthy, Mm -hmm. and he is one of the 20 greatest players who ever lived. I firmly, firmly believe that. Um, He's the second-best player from his era, Um and right now I have him at number 17 in the league on centers because even in his late thirties, he's still putting up points per game. Mm-hmm. Um, he can, you know, be a dominant force. He kind of is like prime. Malkin is like what McKinnon is now. He'd drive the net. He'd make skilled plays down low um, using his big body. He's huge. Mm-hmm. Not as big as like a Tage Thompson, but about as big as a Nate dog. Um, I see a lot of similarities between the two. His shot is unreal. He's got one of those slappers that is, it just looks pretty like we were talking about earlier. He doesn't do it much on the one timer anymore, but he'll have the puck on his stick and, um, take a slap shot himself without it being a one timer. And it's just always pretty. And so Evgeny Malkin Pittsburgh is one of three teams on this list with two centers. So I think that gives you an advantage. Um, it gives you an advantage if you're that deep at center where you have two top 20 guys in most people's opinion. Um, let me see one, two, three. Oh, I have four as well, because I don't know in what freaking world you thought I wouldn't put Steven Stamkos (laughs) on my freaking list. I mean, that was a tweak. Steven Stamkos, 50 assists. I mean, there are people that are going to get mad and say he's a winger. Because he a does lot play of wing a lot. Don't have him in the top twenty. VP. I think people have him on their winger now, which I left him as a center because I respect him as a center. Um, Fifty assists. He could play with Kucherov. He could play with Braden Point as a winger if they want. Um, that might help both of them as Stamkos kind of reaches the later portions of his year for Stamkos to move over to wing. I do think he'll be on our wings list next year because if we go another year like last year where he played just as much wing as center. Um, I will bump him off my centers list and put him on my winger list. We'll have a conversation about that um, next year because there's another player still left on my list that I think could make that transition as well. I'm not sure they will, but as of right now, Stamkos for me, he's a lock for 30 goals. He's a lock for 80 points. Um, we'll see what he's able to do this year. He might even be st- – I still think there's 40 goals in Tank Frank. He's got 500 goals. Why would I put the guy with 500 goals that's still scoring consistently on so my top 20? He's your 18? Yeah, he's in at my number 18. I mean, dude, like, he's a Hall of Famer. Of course. And I know there are other Hall of Famers that don't make my list once they get old. That's fine. Like, you know, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, guys like that. But Steven Stamkos, he's a year removed from winning, like, or being in his fourth Stanley Cup final of his career and being one of the best players. He'd probably be inching closer to 600 career goals if he didn't deal with as many injuries in his career. Right, he is, yeah, you, a lot of injuries. You remember? Th- okay, so a guy who's known for injuries has 500 goals. That tells you how sick they are. Yeah. Because he missed the whole year with the broken leg that one year when he broke it on veterans. They'll never forget it. The Bruins were playing the Lightning, and Joey called me half crying 
because I was headed to I was headed to ECC because college doesn't uh, ECC had classes on Veterans Day, but he was still in high school. He didn't. He stayed home and watched the Bruins. The Bruins always play someone on Veterans Day during the day at like noon and they were playing the lightning and he called me in half tears because Stamkos was clearly going to be out for a long time. His mm-hmm. leg like shattered and that kept him out for a long time. He missed the Olympics, but Hey, since coming back from the blood clot a couple years after that, he's pretty much consistently been healthy other than he missed the, he got hurt in the bubble and barely played in the bubble. But um, outside of that, Stamkos is truly one of the best players. hundred percent. hundred percent. That was your 18. That was my 18. Leaves you to start off with number 19. No, I got to do my 18. Oh, yeah. Do your 18. My number 18. A guy I like a lot. Plays for a team I enjoy to watch. It's Sebastian Ajo. Led the Carolina Hurricanes in goals for the sixth consecutive season. It's no secret that Ajo is the main goal scorer on this Carolina Hurricanes team. And a big reason as to why the Hurricanes are the favorites to win the Stanley Cup this year. He is good for about 30 goals just about every year, which says a lot. He's also an elite penalty killage, penalty killage, penalty killer that could do that could also do a lot of damage on the penalty kill. Over the past seven years in the NHL, Ajo's got 16 shorthanded goals and six shorthanded assists for 22 shorthanded points. That just goes to show you that when he's killing penalties, you also got to be aware that he doesn't pot one in the back of the net. Can't catch him sleeping. I would not be surprised if he cracks the top 15 top fifteen centers come next season just because he is that good, in my opinion. Number 19, I got Anze Kopitar. Another center. Plays a great two-way game and a man that's won the Selkie Trophy twice in his career. Probably would have won it more if it wasn't for Patrice Bergeron. But Kopitar has always been a player that will get you, you know, 60, 70 points a season. Anything more from him would be great, but it's not expected because he makes up for those lost points with his tremendous defensive skill. He's a future Hall of Famer. I believe who could truly he could he could truly do whatever you ask him to do. Score goals, kill penalties, etc. Whatever you want him to do, he's the man that could do it. He's a key asset to have on the team just because of that alone. Number 19 for Anze Kopitar. There you go. I like that. Um that is the first player you named that did not crack my list, which means we have at least one different. Yeah. Um, at 19, I have Mr. Portillo's himself. <laughs> I kind of want to eat some Portillo's with you uh, and watch a Detroit Red Wings game this season because Dylan Larkin is just great at everything. He could score. He could skate. He could pass. He's the captain. Um, he plays in hockey town. I can't wait to see him play with the Brinkett. Um, let's actually look right now and see what the projected lines are for Detroit this upcoming season. It appears as if Dylan Larkin is expected to be flanked by Lucas Raymond and Alex Dabrinkit. Um, I love their third line. I don't love their second line though. That's what Tom said earlier. Remember? Yeah, that might come back to bite them. I like their third and fourth line. They added Clem Costin and Kristen Fisher. You might remember Clem Costin scoring some big goals for Edmonton in the playoffs last year. And then Christian Fisher from the Coyotes, and they added Sprong and Fabry to play with Andrew Kopp on the third line. I like JT Comfort. He could be a good second-line center, but Karan, or David Perron and Jonathan Bergeron as their second-line wingers, I'm not too sure. I love their defense. 
I like Moritz Sider, Jeff Petrie, and Justin Hall as their right side. And then we'll see what they have in Jake Wallman and Ben Chirot. And then they added Shane Gostisbehere, who can run a power play at least. Um, I don't think Detroit's necessarily a playoff team after looking at that lineup, but um, I like Debrinket and Ray- or yeah, Debrinket and Raymond playing with Dylan Larkin this line. year. Oh, it's a great first line, and I think it'd be a first line on most teams, um, except for the teams that are listed ahead of Dylan Larkin. I mean, it's an upper echelon first line. Um, Dylan Larkin's super fast. He'll probably be an all-star. He'll probably have 80-plus points. Um, we'll see if he's able to take that next step and get himself kind of into the, you know, the five guys range or maybe the Nana's range. But as of right now, he's just Portillo's. He's the 19th best center in the NHL. And I would sign up to be that guy any day of the week. I like that. I like that pick a lot. Yep. And if you don't have any of my final two, and we'll talk about differences as honorable mentions because obviously Kopitar would be an honorable mention for me. And I'm sure if you have one more that is not on my list, I'm 99% certain I would consider them an honorable mention. Like you would have to name someone dumb for them <laughs> to not be like an honorable mention. Um, but at number 20. Wow. I had to. Connor Bedard probably shouldn't even be 20. In all honesty, I'd like to put him at 13 right behind Heischer. Wow. I I would take him over Dylan Larkin this upcoming season. I would take him over Stamkos this season. I would take him over Malkin, Ajo. All right, maybe not Stutzla, maybe not Peterson. Okay, 16 if my list was, like, not a little bit scared of the fact that he didn't play a single game yet. But Connor Bedard, man, Jack Hughes broke all of the development. I think Clayton Keller had all the records and Jack Hughes shattered them. And he still wasn't like this generation. He was a top prospect, right? Like we knew he'd be sick. He's great. He's a superstar. He's number five on my list, number six on yours. But something about Connor Bedard is just even different than that. And like, it wouldn't shock me if he's number five next year and Jack Hughes is six or if one's five and one's six, he is that damn good. I have no shame putting him as number 20 on my list. And think about this here too, Frank. He's going to play a minute and 40 seconds on every single Blackhawks power play. He's going to be out there when the goalie's pulled. He's going to be out there when they're looking for an empty netter. He's going to be out there in key five-on-five situations. And they're going to probably try and do a good job of shielding him from the other team's best defensemen when they're on the road or when they're at home. And, you know, he'll as the season goes along and he proves he's sick and he's got 25 goals by Christmas – the NHL will start to adjust and he'll start seeing the Victor Hedmans and the Dougie Hamiltons and, you know, the, the Roman Yossi's of the world when they play. Um, when they play Colorado, he'll probably get a heavy dosage of Kale McCarr. Um, Devin Taves will actually probably be in his face more often. Um, but there's just no doubt in my mind, like I'm taking all the overs for Bedard this year, uh, like 85 points, 40 goals. I've, I just, I've never felt this way. I didn't know too much about – I knew about Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, but I didn't know much about their peers or what came before them yet. I was I was a pretty big hockey fan in high school. I'm nothing like I am now, though, like where I know – like right. I knew the Nate dog. I watched the 2023 NHL draft. I saw Gary Bettman send Corey Schneider to the Devils. I remember it. 
But I didn't. When the Canucks came up and took Bo Horvat, I had no clue who the f that was. Where if that happened today, I would know exactly who Bo Horvat was. I know the ninth overall pick from this year. We were going all the way to like the mid thirties, knowing their names. Mm-hmm. Um, like you knew what's his name? Who was the was Oliver Moore? Yeah, whoever the Oliver Moore was of the twenty thirteen draft, we didn't know it. But like. Connor Bedard, and the reason I'm saying all this is because I've, in my years watching, I can't recall a prospect being that much better than all of his almost elite peers. Fantilli's unreal. You know, Leo Carlson is sick. I think they both play for the Ducks and Blue Jackets respectively this season. Connor Bedard, though, I, I just, I have never seen a player dominate that much in juniors. I haven't seen it, other than McDavid. But I didn't make these claims for McDavid because I didn't know. Listen, I hope I hope you're right. I know you're right. I know he's going to be great, but I just I didn't have the heart to do it. I just couldn't do it. Not until he plays an NHL game officially, which is why my number twenty is Dylan Larkin. Um, Dylan Larkin has had back-to-back seasons with at least thirty goals now. The Red Wings are finally making those moves to get back into the postseason in short order. We'll get to see Dylan Larkin play with Alex Dabrinkit for the first time ever on the first line, most likely. The Red Wings team is going to be extremely fun to watch, I think, and you're only going to hear Dylan Larkin's name more and more as this team continues to improve, not to mention he's one of the fastest players in the NHL, which that obviously helps with the way the game has evolved over the years. So I think... uh, I think Dylan Larkin at 20 is good for me. He was 19 for you. And uh, I think he has a lot of potential to improve as this Red Wings team gets a lot better. Absolutely. That's what I got for you. Okay. Four teams have two. Yeah. Which is nice, especially since one of them is the Devils. Um, Blackhawks next order of business, not including developing Bedard, should be a number two center. Um, I think ideally Oliver Moore is a winger, right, and plays with Bedard and uses that speed to take advantage of Bedard's ability to shoot so he could go to the net and clean up garbage and create screens and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, I think that's an ideal world. Um, most players would say they want to play center. There's more money in it. But um, it's a good list. And you had Kopitar. I had Bedard. Um, that's the one difference. We went 19 for 20. That's kind of impressive. To be honest with you. It is. It really, really is. Yeah. Um what do you think what do you think would be different from this list if we made it the best players, the top fifty players? Like Dylan Larkin wouldn't be on the I, list. No, he wouldn't. Is that what you're saying? Like who wouldn't be on the list? I'm trying to think if he would though. If we did top fifty. I, I think all of these centers would. <laughs> and I think Kopitar would make mine. And it would bump off like a defenseman we've used or something. Like a player not on my list for centers. That's tough. Probably sneak in the top 50 list and you'd bump out whoever you have as like your number 10 winger. Like I would probably, I would rather have Kopitar than Brat. I love Brat, but I would rather have Kopitar for one year. And Brat made my top 10 list, but Kopitar didn't make this list. Um, I think centers that deep where like you could probably name 30 centers or 25 centers that would be in the top 50 list. I, I would, if I were to do it, let's say we, you decided you wanted to do that. I'll leave that up to you. We don't have to. Um, if you decided that though, 
I think I would take my top 20 centers list and start putting in other position players. You understand what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I would start handpicking players from other positions and inserting them where I think necessary. Like I would take Kale McCarr and put him in at number two and that would bump McKinnon down to three and then wherever I could fit in Vasilevsky and Fox and, you know, other players on the list. Um, you can help. You could use that. Like Timo Meyer would make it, and he's pretty low on our wings list. So that right wing side is pretty mm-hmm. heavy. I think most of our right wings would make it, if not all of them. Um, yeah, maybe we will do that, but not go through them as fast or not go through them as slow. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, Frank, good list. You like my list? Yeah. What about it makes you think I'm effed up in the head? The Bedard. Okay. So when he has four goals in his first game, what are you going to say? Then he'll be on next year's list. But that, I, this is a list for this upcoming year. Yeah, the top 20 NHL centers right now. I believe he is right now. He hasn't even played an NHL game yet. I can't. He's got no points in the NHL. Yeah, but this list is more to like right now means this upcoming season. If he, if he has a sick October, I will feel so justified. To me, Buddy Robinson's more valuable right now because he has more points in the NHL than Connor Bedard. <laughs> I'm ejecting you. Get the fuck out of here, Buddy Listen. fucking Robinson. You're an idiot. I call it like it is. No, you don't. You would not rather. Okay. I wouldn't Buddy. rather Buddy Robinson, but he's been more productive than Bedard has in the NHL. I don't think Bedard he has. has. Bedard hasn't played a game. I bet Bedard Bedard made the Hawks five million dollars in season tickets in one night. Did Buddy fucking Robinson do that? No, but that doesn't mean five million dollars extra in sale doesn't make you a better player. No, but he is. He is a better player, yeah. Well, this list is for this upcoming season. And if Bedard is sick this upcoming season, See, I, I, I will argue I had him of- too low. I put my list off of um, last year because if it was this year, I probably have Hughes ahead of Crosby. Okay, I guess it's I guess you're right. It's like a mix of both. It's like where do you have them yeah. right now? I I would rather Bedard. Listen, I love it as a Hawks fan. I love it. I love I'm, to hear that. I'm taking Bedard on October fourth over Kopitar. That's fine. I would too. Obviously, for one season, if your goal was to win the cup for one season, not the Hawks' goal of building for the future, your goal is to win the cup this season, and your team is almost complete, and you need you have a choice between Kopitar or Bedard to fill it out. You get neither of them next year, they both go in a black hole next year. (laughs) Who would you pick? I'd probably take Kopitar. I, I believe you, I don't think it's dumb. I wouldn't. I would take Bedard. Just because he'll have that experience if you get into the playoffs or winning the cup and like he'll know what to do. He's won the cup multiple times. Yeah. I understand. I understand. I just am that high on his talent. I think it outweighs any experience for this one player. We'll see. For this one player. I didn't say these things about Hughes. He was on my favorite team. I wanted him to succeed more than anyone. I hope you're right, VP. Connor Bedard is the He's the truth, as the young Good. kids say. Good. I've never been more confident in a prospect. I'm extremely confident. I don't want you to think I'm not confident. I'm like, 
I'm starting to think about 100 points. That's insane. I hope you're right. I, it's that era. Crosby and Ovechkin did in their rookie seasons, and it wasn't their era. McDav- McDavid would have if he didn't break his clavicle. I think he got hit by – you're going to think this is funny because he ended up playing for the Hawks for a minute. I think it was Brandon Manning of the Philadelphia Flyers that hit McDavid in his rookie season, and it broke his shoulder. Was it? I don't I know. think I so, know. but he had like 48 points in 39 games or something like that, a 100-point pace. Yeah, I know. It's, I mean, I hope you're right. I hope he's healthy all year so that I have a chance to be right. Because if he's not healthy, then – and I do think there are statistics. I was watching, you know, Shannon, um, the hockey guy on YouTube. I don't know. Um, he's like an older gentleman. He has a bunch of so. he has a bunch of hockey jerseys. Really good YouTube follow. Yeah, I don't think so. He's he pointed out a statistic that like eighteen year olds have a higher likelihood by like X percent of getting hurt in their rookie season than if you make your rookie debut at twenty instead. Oh, really? Yeah. So like I'm the only thing that concerns me for Bedard is health because of his age. But I think if he plays all eighty two, there's no reason he can't be like that good right away. Do you think he scores on opening night? Yeah. Wow. Really? Dude, he's going to – I believe in, like, magic in sports and, like, storytelling. Austin Matthews had a four-goal game in his rookie season, in his rookie debut. You know who he danced around in two of those goals? Who? Eric Carlson, <laughs> who's on the Pittsburgh Penguins, who will play against Bedard on opening night. Bedard is going <laughs> to... I can't wait to watch him play. You don't think he could beat Tristan Jari on opening night when defense is optional in the first week of the season anyway? I'm telling you what. It might take... I got him like going five games before his first goal. Call me crazy, but... I'll go five minutes of ice time. Wow. Um, That's oh. You know, why don't you just let me get your Bedard shirt? Even though... <laughs> I love Bedard. It's got nothing against it. It's just, I'm just, that's what I think. Yeah, everyone thinks I'm on crack. Well, just wait till the season. Then we'll see who the real crackhead is. Not I Bedard. Got rooting for Bedard. Hell yeah. Obviously. Dude, my reputation's on the line with, I'll hate his guts. <laughs> oh, I'll hate him so fast. After he, each game he doesn't score, I'll be like, Vin, game one down. <laughs> You're making me root against him. <laughs> Give me that fucking shirt, asshole. <laughs> Do you have two or one? Just one. Uh, it's mine now. Yeah. Even if you even if you don't give it to me, I am just declaring I'm going to eat mine. my shirt if he scores what? a hat trick on opening night. All right. All right. <laughs> I will remember that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I can't wait. I literally – oh, because I, Cros- I think Crosby and the Penguins probably win. But Bedard, like – the freaking Senators won the Austin Matthews four goal game in overtime. Um, that's going to happen. Maybe not four goals, but one for sure. Connor Bedard, he's going to step on the ice. He's going to have all the space in the world, and he's just going to pick Eric Carlson apart like butter. Like butter. Or he'll score on the power play. 
But uh, Bedard doesn't have anybody to play with. No, the Hawks are going to suck because their bottom six and defense are terrible, and they're going to run Peter Mrazek out there for 50 games. But their top six is good. They have good players on their top six. Taylor Hall is a good player. Anthony Siu is a good player. Uh, Lucas Reichel is a good player. I don't think uh, Corey Perry or Felino see much time with Bedard. Uh, yeah, probably not. Maybe on the power play, Corey Perry as a net front presence wouldn't shock me at all. I would actually welcome it with open arms. But, oh, I love Bedard. I'm going to buy a Bedard jersey. What's to buy me a Bedard jersey? You have no idea. I love Bedard. Yeah, well, would you tell him to his face, I don't think you're going to have 80 points? No. That'd just be stupid. I, wish- I think the potential's there. Obviously. I wish he would, so then he gets nice and mad, go and does it, and then makes me look smart. Watch, he's going to have 150 points. Could you imagine? Yes. What if he won the scoring title this year? No. It would stun me. I don't think his ceiling is McDavid. I know, but what if he did? I think his ceiling is a tick below. Your jaw would hit the floor. He is a fringe generational talent, in my opinion. Your jaw would hit the floor. Yes, it would. Like, I have such a hard definition of generate. Like, Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves are not generational talents. I do think he wins a scoring title in his career, though. We'll see. It's possible because I think the latter portion of his prime will mimic, uh, will mirror McDavid's drop off. So, yeah. We'll see. Well, Frank. I'm going to have to upload the top 20 centers to the Twitter machine so the people can watch. My phone is dead, so we finished just in time. Um, Let's head on over to period number three. Frank, I just wanted to come on this show and do the top 20 centers and pretty much nothing else. I don't give a fuck about it. No, I'm kidding. Um, Want to talk a little NFL? Sure, VP. The Jets added Dalvin Cook. What do you think? It's a good pickup. It's clear that they're trying to win with Rodgers, build around him a little bit. Rodgers ain't going to be there forever, so might as well try to get as much as you can out of him. And adding Delvin Cook obviously was, in their mind, the thing that's going to help him do that. Hell yeah. They had a top five defense last year. Um, what's his name was a top five running back last year until he got hurt. Um, is it Hall, Brees Hall? Um, uh, I, I, that I don't know. And now they had Cook. Now they had Cook. I, I I was against them having a good year for like all summer. Like I thought there was no way. Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, well, they had a really good defense last year. It wasn't until Zach Wilson really started to suck that they really kind of really fell off. And if Aaron Rodgers is decent, they could have a good year. It wouldn't surprise me. So they, they play in a really hard division. I don't think they come in first. I think the bang, the Bills probably win that division. But, like, I don't know. What if Josh Allen throws 15 interceptions again and Rodgers has an MVP season? Then the Bills could come in second, be the wild card team. I think the Dolphins have a better roster than the Jets, but they don't have Aaron Rodgers. So I have no idea. But the other team in the division that could come in last place as well, the New England Patriots, they added Ezekiel Elliott and when everybody thought they were going to land Dalvin Cook. Um, what are your thoughts? I think Elliott's a little overrated. I don't know if it's really going to help the Patriots. Do you understand why he's overrated? Fill me in. He was elite back in the day. 
when he was first out of Ohio State and the number four pick, he had like three or four years in Dallas where he was like a top five fantasy running back each and every year, like just a super duper star. But he wasn't even their best running back on the Cowboys last year. So, yeah, I think the Patriots, they used coupons, as Colin Coward would say, and they're going to get discounted food as a result of, you know, spending in the clearance aisle. Which is okay, I guess. We are. We have so learned that it was all Tom. I don't. I think the debate is just so over. The Patriots haven't been shit since Tom Brady left. We're seeing all of Bill Belichick's drafting flaws. We're seeing all of his coaching flaws now that Tom Brady's no longer there. Sorry. Yeah. Um, anything else football you want to touch on really quick? We're kind of getting to the nitty gritty of the preseason. Got week two coming up. I'm excited for the regular season. We're going to be drafting a lot for fantasy football here. So nothing really else. No other news. Um, no, no, I think I'm really excited for bears Packers week one. Yeah. That's going to be insane. I think Bears could win that game. uh, The Jordan love sucks. (laughs) I've watched so many clips. I'm not just saying that because he's a Packer. The Packers have three of the top 20 quarterbacks who ever lived in Bart Starr, Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers probably top five, really. I, I don't have a problem complimenting what's true. I hate the Packers. They have great quarterback history. Mm-hmm. Jordan Love isn't that good. I think all those things I said are fair and uh, realistic. So, I don't know. Go Bears. Um, what are you watching this weekend? Um, just the finale of just about every show. <laughs> oh, really? Why? I every just, show's just coming to an end? Yeah, it's like shows? that time. It's that time of the the year or the so summer. Big Brother. Big Brother is like firmly a fall show this year then. Well, yeah, it was supposed to be a summer show, but you know how that goes. Um, yeah, no, it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I got a lot of finales to watch. Are Sorry. you kind of. Huh? Are you kind of happy that Big Brother shook out this way? The summer's the summer's a busy time, and now it's starting to wind down, and we got Big Brother for the next. Yeah, you know, I like I like Big Brother over the summer though. It's like the summer show, you look forward to summer for Big Brother. Yeah, I get that, but it, it's a little less stressful, I guess now. Yeah, I mean it's a three episode a week show. But it's gonna, you know, get into the hockey season then and Understood. Survivor. Survivor. Dude, I watched the Amazing Race Survivor, the Challenge, and Big Brother, and all four are gonna be going on at the same time for the first time ever. Wow. It's gonna be stressful. Yeah, that is stressful. So that's why I liked it over the you know, over the summer. But I saw Amira, Alyssa, and Monty are on the challenge this year, is that correct? Correct. Pretty dope. That's- so, yeah, it's a fantastic show. Very good. Is, like, Monty, Amira, and Alyssa good? Amira's gone. Oh. <laughs> she was the first eliminated. Oh, shocking. Um, She started the leftovers. The challenge is... By, like, targeting her, started the, the leftovers. physically brutal reality show you'll ever watch. It is... Um, there are challenge veterans. It's, like, some of the best players you see from, like, Big Brother... It's a completely different game when it comes to the challenge. So um, it's very tough to win on that show. 
if you're from Big Brother Survivor, stuff like that. It happens, but it's just the challenge veterans tend to target the rookies a little bit more. And it's just, it's very, very physically demanding. And the competitions are a lot different than you would see on like Survivor Big Brother. It's not like that at all. Um, you're never voting somebody out either. The only way you get eliminated is if you lose a challenge. Oh. They could vote you in to like the elimination challenge, but then you could save yourself by winning that challenge. You're never getting voted off the show. Got it. That's pretty cool. So that's what makes it like, yeah. Maybe I'll run it back and watch it because it always does sound super interesting. Oh, yeah. It's very, very interesting. Absolutely. What about baseball? Dude, like I said, those races in the AL and the NL, unbelievable. It is unbelievable what's going on right now. And I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing what the Mariners could do, seeing what the Cubs could do. And hopefully they both get in and cause mayhem. Yeah, I agree. Um, the White Sox beat the Cubs yesterday, and the Cubs didn't lose any ground in the division or the wild card because the Milwaukee Brewers, Miami Marlins, and Cincinnati Reds all also lost. So you could, view, you could view that as an opportunity that the Cubs missed a gain ground. But if you don't lose any ground, I guess there's still plenty of time, right? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Are you out on the Rays? Mm. Well, you heard about Wander Franco. No. Wander Franco is probably out for the year because there are allegations against him with a 14-year-old. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear about that. I don't know if he'll play again. If he does, that'll mean I'm sure that the findings – worked out in his favor and obviously facts are coming out still. So I don't comment on it too much. I right. haven't tweeted about it. I'm not writing any stories about it, but cause I don't know if, if it did happen, it's horrible and he'll be out of the league. And if it didn't happen, then a bunch of people like ruined his life over a fake story. It's very, very like wrong, like one side or the other. So I just wouldn't shock me at all. If the Mariners end up being that team in that's fine. I prefer it, but the, the Blue Jays can miss too. The Astros haven't been performing tremendously either. No, not lately. So They I mean, were I, hot for a minute, and then it I, fell off again. I think of all the teams we just named, the Mariners are the hottest team. Yeah. So, Thank God they ended up winning yesterday. The Mariners? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, why I would they trade? Win. Okay, they trade their closer, their star. I closer. love Paul Seawald too. They trade them. And then you're now three straight games of blowing it in the ninth. <laughs> they won this last one, though, and thank freaking God. I would have counseled their ass if they lost to the Royals yesterday so fast. I would have been so mad. Weren't they yeah. up 7 nothing? Yep. And the Royals are dog crap. Oh, they I make know. the White Sox look like the 27 Yankees. They stink. They're so good. I've, I'm excited. I've never been to a sporting event. That was a battle of two worst teams more than in two Saturdays when I go to White Sox A's. When is that? Next Saturday, the 26th, 10 days from today. Are you excited? Oh, pumped. Is there a giveaway? Dylan Cease bobblehead night. Very thrilled. And, dude, I'm trying to think of a time I've been to a game where both teams sucked that bad. 
Um, I don't think I have. I mean, the Blackhawks have been bad, but I don't think I've gone when they were playing. You saw Blackhawks Coyotes, but the Yotes were on a run when you went there. Yeah, that was. Uh, they weren't like super bad. The Coyotes, but yeah, they were competitively bad. The A's and the White Sox both straight up stink. Except hopefully the White Sox. A's are worse, tonight. I think. But they are worse. Absolutely, the A's are probably the worst team in the league. Not probably, in my opinion, they are. Um, I think the Royals, White Sox, and Rockies would all beat the A's in a seven-game series. Um, And those are the four worst teams in the league. Um, Need the White Sox to win tonight, though. I want that trophy. (laughs) The winner of tonight's game gets the Crosstown Cup. Yeah, is it? Really? It's 2-1 Cubs, so if the White Sox win, it's tied, and the winner of the previous year keeps it if it's tied. Gotcha. Yeah, the Cubs held it for like five straight years by tying. I looked up the history. What's the uh, pitching matchup for tonight? So it was supposed to be Clevenger versus Stroman, but the Cubs announced that um, Stroman isn't pitching because of an injury. And my phone is dead, so I can't look and see if they've named anybody. I I actually think they did name somebody because both teams line up. Both teams line up popped up on my phone while we were doing our centers, but I didn't look because I was too focused on the notes app. Um, Um, The Cubs definitely announced. Oh, it's Assad. Oh, they are running Assad? Yeah. I had a feeling they would run somebody who's like a long reliever. He'll probably be nothing more than an opener, right? And then they'll start dipping into the bullpen a little bit. They're probably off tomorrow because it's a – I know they're definitely not. Or yeah, they probably are off tomorrow Thursday, because it's only a two-game series. Yeah, they're definitely off for sure. And then they'll start a three-gamer this weekend, so they probably will use their bullpen pretty heavy tonight, knowing there's an off day. Um, so and Kyle Hendricks went pretty long yesterday, so that helps as well. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow to Crosstown Crossack. I don't know exactly what time it's going to be, but make sure you tune in. We're going to recap the Crosstown Classic. Um, hopefully the White Sox keep that damn trophy though. If you give me one thing this season, <laughs> one, I don't think that's too much to ask. I think a Cubs fan would even respect that. I know if my team was in the playoff run and a Cubs fan, if all they had this season was the Crosstown cup because of a fucking tie, buddy, we want it all. Yeah. Well, you ain't getting it. Not with Assad. Assad's really good. He's pretty good. Um, but Clevenger's had a good year, so we'll see what happens. Hopefully, in a tie, oh, dude, when Louise Robert hit that ball yesterday. <laughs> the And you're not going to tell me you don't agree with this. The second he hit it, gone. Knew it right away, right? Yeah, obviously. He hit it far. You just kind of know sometimes, obviously. Yeah, I hate watching games at Wrigley Field, though. Those people freaking cheer for every little flyout. <laughs> every flyout, I think, is a home run. And they say it's like that at every stadium, maybe, but like not like that, not like that. Um, I can't remember who it was. They hit one to Robert at the warning track, and I thought it was gone just because of the crowd. <laughs> but Robert, it was Robert's reaction, how he kind of like turned around, looked at the dugout, and was shaking his head, and he threw the bat. Uh-huh. And then when he comes around after home plate, he's going like this to the Cub fans who were jabbing him. Yeah. Ooh, I can't wait. Let's go socks. Seven o'clock. Let's go socks. Seven or six? Seven oh five. Seven oh five. Um, Frank, I think it's time we get to America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. <laughs> 
Frank, where's my money, bitch? Well, went one for two again last week. We're just hovering. We're just staying there. I'm fine with it. 20 and 14 record in the MLB. We're cooking. I got another two picks for you today. First one's going to be between the Astros and the Marlins. Got Justin Verlander against Lizardo. Um, I don't really like the way the Astros have been playing lately, to be honest with you, VP. And it's basically a pick em with Verlander on the mound, which is a little suspicious. A little suspicious here. Marlins have been playing well. I'm leaning Marlins at minus 108. I think there's some value here. I think um, I think the Houston Astros are a little bit overhyped because of their recent success of the previous years, and they got a talented lineup up and down. And I got Verlander on the mound. Just seems like uh, this is a good spot for the Marlins to win. So I like the Marlins at minus one hundred eight. Second pick. Go Jake Berger. Yeah, Jake Berger. Maybe he'll hit one to Pluto. Hopefully. Um, second pick I got for you is between the Philadelphia Phillies and the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto Blue Jays got a lot of injuries, and I don't believe Matt Chapman is playing. No, Matt Chapman's once again not playing tonight. Um, They figured they'd just rest them because they got an off day tomorrow. Um, Just give them an extra day of rest. But they're going to be really healthy, the Blue Jays, in short order. I was watching the Blue Jays broadcast yesterday, and the announcer said, I think, Maybe this weekend, if they get everybody back, it'll be the most healthy and stacked lineup they've had all year. So they're coming. I just don't like the value on them today against the Phillies and Aaron Nola. You got Aaron Nola against Gossman going. I like the Philadelphia Phillies money line at plus 120 just because Nola and Gosman this year have had very similar statistics. Blue Jays won a crazy game yesterday. They won. Their winning run was a walk-off hit by batter. Not a walk-off. It was a hit by batter to get them a lead in the bottom of the eighth, which led to the winning run. That's just insane. I think the Phillies are going to be upset about that. And uh, it's only a two-game series. So I'll take the value here with Nola. He's you know he's proved to be reliable in the past. So I'm going to ride with him in the Phillies and uh, see if they can get it done. Plus 120. There you go. And that's great. That's Breaking Brett's brought to you by Frank Mueller and his picks. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at the King Bean for more great content. Uh, Frank, you've been posting the content on Twitter lately. I always do. I always try to. Try Breaking to news. Them. I got a promotion at Puck Pros. I'm now the site expert at Puck Pros. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. And I don't know if you noticed, I published or I tweeted your app trigger NHL app from the official Puck Pros account. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I'm, any NHL articles you write, if. If you send them to me, I will put them on Puck Pros' Twitter. So make sure you keep doing that. Cool. Um, I try my best to read every word you write. Um, you write a lot, so it's difficult. But when you send me the NHL ones, I will put them on. No hesitation. You don't even have to say anything kind to me. You could send me the article with an attachment that says, fuck you, and I'll still do it. I'm being dead ass. There's a couple uh, articles that aren't live yet, but they'll be coming live soon. NHL related? Yeah. Cool. Send them my way. And I'm going to tweet out the top 20 centers a little bit later today. So if you want to go show that some love, everybody, please do. I would love to hear some discourse on Twitter. Um, Not much discourse between Frank and I because we just agreed on each other's list in a slightly different order. He had Kopitar. I had Bedard. I probably would put Kopitar 21st. I was debating when I had Bedard at 20. 
I started debating everybody else for 19, and it was Dylan Larkin, Kopitar, uh, Elias Lindholm of the Calgary Flames. A little bit of a down year last year, but I thought a case could still be made that it was Daryl Sutter's system. And this year with Huberto, I, th- I do think they're going to cook a little bit again. I'm not necessarily sure about the Flames being a playoff team, but I thought for sure they would, or I do think that they'll have at least a bubble team type of year. And a lot of that will have to do with what Lindholm and Huberto do. So those were my honorable mentions. Come yell at me about it on Twitter. Yell at Frankie about it on Twitter. What? Um, Read all Frankie's shit on apptrigger.com. Read all my shit at Puck Pros, Black and Teal, the Windy City Southside Showdown, and Pucks and Pitchforks. Um, most recently, Puck Pros, site expert. So trying to do as much as I can for the NHL community. We got some big things planned for the season already. Um, I'm just starting to get to know my mates a little more. I kind of went under the radar at Puck Pros. Up until last week, like I would just submit one article every like every like week and a half or so about the Bruins or the Wild or the Penguins. Now it's like I'm all in on all 30 teams for that site because I have to be now. Mm-hmm. So, and I, so as a result, I've communicated with the staff a lot more. And before I would just be like, hey, guys, submitted an article. And then I wouldn't pop in that Slack chat until the next time I said, hey, guys, just submitted one. <laughs> Um, but now I'm like helping create discourse. So it's fun. I'm enjoying it. And I hope everybody comes along. I want Frankie to come right. I want to, I, I want to edit a Frankie Mueller article. <laughs> so fucking bad. And like, it's just a way for him to make more money. Like my Eric Carlson article the other day got 11,000 views. That's dinner, bruh. Yeah. I want to edit a Frank Mueller article want to edit a frank mueller article so everybody go encourage frankie send him mean dms to come apply at puck pros and he could become a staff writer literally tomorrow um but frank do you have anything else left for the viewers during this program um can't wait to see what bedard does and hopefully he makes my top 20 centers list next year yeah, he'll make your top 20 centers list on opening night when he dummies Eric Carlson <laughs> and has two goals himself. Um, Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin are each going to have one. Bedard's going to have two. And then Gino to Sid to Carlson in overtime on the power play to win it for the Penguins in game one of the season. And that'll be the perfect. We have Bedard. He's sick. And we're still in the Max Celebrini sweepstakes type of year that the Blackhawks are going to have this season. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed the program. It was a lot of fun. Summer's coming along on our next show. It's going to be late August by our next show. And during late August, you start seeing guys start reporting back to their cities and stuff like that. I know I was listening to Spit and Chicklets. Keller is skating in Arizona again, and he's got Matthews, Tage Thompson, and Tice Thompson with him. And these guys are getting ready to go home soon. And, oh, we're getting close, boys and girls. We're getting close. So make sure you tune in to next week's episode of Bar Down. Go White Sox. We'll be capping the Crosstown Classic on tomorrow's episode of Crosstown Crosstalk. And then I'll be back with the boys of the South Burbs Hitman podcast on Monday night. And I'll be making a special appearance, Frank, on Foster's show tomorrow night. So Bears Country podcast. I'll be talking some Bears with the Bears Country podcast, our boy Foster. I'm super stoked to do that. Um, It's been a long time coming. So, Foster, if you're watching, I'm excited to hang. Um, 7 o'clock tomorrow, I'll be sharing the link on Twitter. So make sure you tune in to all this shit, read all this shit. And as always, thank you for listening.